every night at the Royale Theater, the 50s come to life. Greece. Have a laugh, Molly. Remember, have a laugh, Disney Channel? Tell no. me you remember. You don't remember, have a laugh? Oh, wait, was that like the little shorts? Yeah, oh, Daddy. They yeah. would either edit an old Mickey Mouse cartoon to a current pop song. Like there's a Donald Duck one yeah. that was like, we don't need your money, 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 we don't need your money, money, money. They, they would either do that or they would just air an old Mickey Mouse cartoon <laughs> cut down to like two minutes. Um, When they made those, Molly, mm-hmm. and I know you're interested and have a laugh. When they made those, they would have to dub over all the voices, even though they were just cartoons from the 40s, because in order to edit them down to like one to two minutes, they had to like they had to cut parts out. Um, but there's no recording of those voices from the forties that you can like neatly edit. It's like all mixed in with the music already. Mm-hmm. So you would have heard the music skipping in the background with the voices and all the sound effects would have been wrong. So they just had the current people who play Mickey, Donald, Goofy, whoever, they just had them dub over the voices. And I found out something real weird which is that they had to do the same thing for the trailers for all the classic Disney movies when they were coming out on DVD. So the trailer mm. for Cinderella on DVD, the like the first like coming soon, you know, to uh-huh. video Cinderella a story or whatever. That whole trailer is like weirdly dubbed over footage because they wanted to change the music in the background and there's mm. no recordings of just the voices, I guess. Because they dubbed over the whole trailer with the people who do the Cinderella voices for like Cinderella 2 and 3. So like Jennifer Hale is the voice of Cinderella. Rob Paulson is that skinny guy who helps the king trick his son into marrying the girl. And they they have like modern music in the background. The Duke? What? The Grand Duke. (laughs) Who's the Grand Duke? The skinny guy with the monocle. No, I'm pretty sure you're thinking of Franz Ferdinand. No, he's dead, Danny. Hi, Where I'm is Harry <laughs> Truman. He's dead in the ground. Dead in the ground. Dead, dead, dead. What? It's from a Bob's oh. Linda makes up a song. And goes, he goes there. There goes the hair. Where is Harry Truman? He's dead in the ground. Dead in the ground. Dead, dead, dead. <laughs> I'm glad I sang it twice. You're who? I'm Molly. I'm Danny. And this is The Pants Are Too Tight. The best name for podcast ever. Molly, what we do on the show is we teach people about Disney cartoons and the process of dubbing over voices. We teach people about so many things. Um, what do you want to teach people about today, Molly? That's not fair. You know I don't know. Oh, that's true. Molly doesn't know what she wants to do um, today. Listen, we're a show about the little things. Little things. We're the little things that we obsess over, good, bad, and ugly. Molly, we are the grain of sand, slowly metamorphosizing into the pearl in the mouth of sweet lady justice. That's us, baby. We're taking to the streets. We're taking back the night. <laughs> That's what we do, and that's what we do well. We're a violent vigilante group. Now, Danny, local neighborhood dads. We have um, an up. You have some updates based on our previous oh, episode. Oh, sure. Our previous episode, I talked about the Spider-Man musical for like four hours straight, and I just wanted to air a brief correction. Since that time, I have read the four hundred and ten-page book "Song of Spider-Man" by Glenn Berger, who wrote the script to the play. First of all, great book. Highly recommend if you have any interest in the show. Great book. Um, In that book, 
I, I, I was corrected on a, a sort of a misbelief I had. I thought that TV Carpio was the original Arachne, the spider goddess, and I thought she got conked in the head and had to quit the show. What happened was TV Carpio was one of the geeks that narrates the show. She was the female geek who, you know, has that line about like, Swiss Miss, who's that? I made her up. You can't do that. I just did. Bam. She, she was the female geek, the Julie Taymor character. And um, Natalie Mendoza was Arachne. They, there was this special effect that they had never rehearsed because their big finale didn't work. So they, the night of the first preview, they, they teched for the first time this effect where a big web would appear behind Arachne. They tested it for the first time, first preview, and it worked. And But that night of the first preview, when they sent the web out, the metal hook that holds it up hit Natalie Mendoza in the head. And she, you know, she didn't tell anybody. Uh, and then it turned out she had like a severe concussion. So she left the show for a while to recuperate. She went to Los Angeles. Uh, and her understudy named America Olivio who had never had time to rehearse the part of Arachne, had never had time to even learn the songs, let alone learn the flying and the wires and stuff. She went up the next night as Arachne. I think Natalie Mendoza did like two performances at the top. Uh, she came back for a little while until it was determined that, like her doctor basically said, like, you should stop being in the Spider-Man musical. Uh, so she left, and by that point, they had decided TV Carpio would take over as Arachne. Now, TV Carpio apparently did also get conked in the head at some point, but she was not the one who had to leave the show because of the concussion and everything. So I, I'm airing a correction about which Greek spider lady got bonked in the head. Molly, what are you looking at? You've been reading something as I've been rambling about spider women getting concussions. I... You've been like gripping your throat as if you're learning something painful. I was trying to remember something. Um, it, I thought of you in the Spider-Man musical you, um, a couple of days ago Thank when I was you. driving and I was trying so desperately to remember Why? what it was that triggered it. And I, I got it. Okay. I got there. Um, sorry. Um, it, it was the character Swiss Miss. Oh, yes. And um, I was saying how I can't believe they didn't make a joke about the hot chocolate. Um, and then I was like, you know, I had this moment where I was singing with Ryan in the car, our brother Ryan, and we were singing the song Show Off from the Jazzy Chaperone. And she says, play the Swiss saucy miss. Swiss Miss yeah. no more. And I had like a moment where like I was, I needed to like almost pull the car over because I was like, Swiss Miss, Swiss Miss. And then it occurred to me for the first time. And then she was in your backseat. That Swiss knives. Miss could mean something other than hot chocolate. Sure. And then I looked it up on, on Urban Dictionary and um, I learned it's something quite inappropriate. Well, that's Urban Dictionary's definition. That might not be what the people doing Drowsy Chaperone. Meant. No, I don't know what they meant. They I haven't been able to figure it out. Probably just meant like a Swedish maiden, and the saucy part of it. Saucy would mean like naughty or inappropriate. Well, this is quite. Wait, would you? Do you care to read what Swiss okay. mess means? There's two things we've okay. got. Okay. One is when you accidentally miss the um, vagina and you end up in the ass. Molly, God, why do you talk like this? That was worse than if you just said the thing. The other Jesus is Christ. the hottest woman on earth, especially with braids. 
The other is when you really need to take a piss in reference to Sam Onella's Swiss Miss video where he called it Swiss Miss Instant Piss in regards to the taste of only one packet. First of all, Jesus Christ, ew. Second of all, does this have anything to do with Swiss, Swish, Bish, another one in the basket, another one in the casket, Katy Perry? I don't know. Swish, Swish, Bish. That was such a <laughs> weird song. And I kind of, I, can I say something? Mm-hmm. I think I'm the world's biggest Katy Perry fan. Do you know? I thought, that's not fair. I, I thought you were going to say you're the world's biggest Katy Perry hater because no. of the argument we got in about uh, no. Hot and Cold. I just dislike, I think that Hot and Cold is a fun song. I just think that the lyrics are very 2007 in their treatment of both women. We're and not the, getting back into this again. The concept of bipolar disorder. We're not getting disorder. back into this again. That's all. That's all I have to say. You can disagree with that. I just think that it's a little dated. Um, can I can I give the, the final one? Yes, the final definition of Swiss Miss. When a guy is with two girls and he gets no action, but the girls hook up with each other. Like Switzerland, the guy remains neutral and misses an opportunity to be with both girls. I, I That that was my favorite one. That yeah, was the that only, was the one I That liked. was the only one that felt remotely clever and not just gross. Yep, agreed. Well, I guess the hot girl with braids isn't necessarily... Gross, but it just feels like, why did you take the time to type this and press enter? Oh, it also says it could mean hot chocolate, as in a hot black boy. Molly, I don't <laughs> know how to tell you that's not okay. I don't care if it's I on the Urban Dictionary. I didn't make it up. I'm not saying it. Well. I am not. Cross the rainbow <laughs> bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in endless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Thor. What the hell is that? It's the Thor theme song. In the 60s, right before 1966, the year before, they made the Spider-Man cartoon. You know, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. They did a show that was just called the Marvel Superheroes where they didn't have any money for animation. Mm -hmm. So they would uh, move around Xeroxed drawings from the comic books. Uh, So they would just kind of like slide around. Nobody can, there's very little new animation. They would animate like smoke or water sometimes, but they're pretty dorky, but it's like a lot of the same voices as that Spider-Man cartoon. It's all the same sound effects, but each of the heroes got their own jingle. So there was Captain America, Iron Man, the Hulk, Namor the Submariner, who, I mean, who gives a shit? Yeah, and then Thor. Um, And they all get their own jingle, but then the show also had its own theme song that was, um, you could be a superhero, da-da-da-da, superhero. It's like descriptions of all the different superheroes. So it's like, big and bulky superhero, kind of hulky superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. But Molly, one of my favorite songs in the world is the song that would play at the end of the Marvel superheroes uh, cartoon. It was, uh, and yes, I'm looking at the origin of the phrase Swiss Miss as I'm saying this. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know, I didn't know if you stopped recording and you were just telling all of me no, this no, no. or. <laughs> so um, uh, when you look up Swiss Miss on Wikipedia, it says Swiss Miss may refer to Heidi, a fictional orphaned girl. Oh uh, yeah, Heidi. Helvetia, the female perva- uh, personification of Switzerland. Swiss Miss, a 1938 film starring Laurel and Hardy. Swiss Miss, a villain from Spider-Man Turn of the Dark. She's uh, fourth down the list. And it feels like she shouldn't even be that high up. Well, you know what's really weird? I looked up the hot chocolate company, Swiss Miss, on Wikipedia. Yeah. 
And there was surprisingly little information. No, on it just it. says like this is a brand yeah. name of hot chocolate. Yeah, like I was really. Does surprised. it have a year, real quick? The fifties, it just okay. Says. So it doesn't even give us a specific. That's well after Swiss Miss is already a phrase. Yeah. Because the Laurel and Hardy movies from 1938, I think that's probably just like a term for like you know that stereotype we have for some reason of like hello boys, it's me. And like, you know, I'm on like a, I'm on like a cart and I'm like Inga from Young Frankenstein. I feel like that's Swedish just a, heart. Yeah. Like it's just that thing. But well, that's, that's Sweden. Ula. That's Ula from the. Oh, what did you say? I said Inga. That's Transylvania, but sure. Her accent oh, is Oh, I went, yeah, I went right You're thinking of Ula. I, I was doing, in her last it name, Inga's in there somewhere. my yeah. Swedish heart. Yeah. No, no, no. You, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I mean, um, that's what I always had thought it meant until in that moment, hearing it, yeah. thinking about Spider-Man. Sutton Foster, the original Broadway performer who played Inga in Young Frankenstein, of course. Also played Janet Drowsy Chaperone and sang the, the Saucy long, Swiss Miss. Saucy, yeah. So I think Saucy Swiss Miss is on the level of like schoolgirl, where it's just like a sort of cliche costume type, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, like yeah. the Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz outfit with like braids and maybe a big pretzel yeah, and a well, beard. But what I'm picturing, Heidi, yeah. So, did you have more Spider-Man updates? Sorry. So, real quick, uh, Marvel superheroes. The end credits. The the theme song is called the Merry Marvel Marching Society, which at the time was the fan club for Marvel Comics. So you would like send them five bucks or whatever. They would send you a record and like a card that said like official member of the Merry Marvel Marching Society because Stanley was always a cornball. And but the song is so catchy. Uh, and it just goes, move along, move along, move along, move along in the Merry Marvel Marching Society. It's just, it's cute. Anyway, uh, and and so <laughs> the Spider-Man musical should have had that song in it. It should have had the Iron Man one. The Iron Man one is the worst. The Captain America one is somehow people know that. I think it might be in one of the movies at some point. Because I feel like sometimes people know when Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. When it's time for a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. They all end on like a tremendous high note. That I have to lean away from the mic for. Um, when you sang the the was it Mighty Marvel, the Merry Marvel Marching Society. <laughs> that one, it put the Blame Canada song from South Park oh, in my yeah. head. I heard something similar. <laughs> no I don't doubt know what. You've seen Robin Williams perform the Blame Canada song. No. What you don't know? About? Okay, oh. so the actress who was the voice of all the female characters on South Park, mm-hmm. Mary Kay Bergman, very talented actress. She was also Daphne uh, in the Scooby Doo cartoons since Zombie Island until uh, in two thousand one. Right after the South Park movie came out, she uh, she died uh, tragically, very young. Uh, but at the Oscars, because you know, Blame Canada is performed by many different cartoon people. Mm-hmm. They had Robin Williams perform it mm-hmm. with like a row of like mounty backup dancers, and Aww. he switches around and he does all the different voices of the moms in South Park. Oh, I can't wait to watch this! I'm it's so excited. It's really cute, and that was famously that's the Oscars where. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone showed up in full drag and they were both incredibly high and whenever someone would ask about the dresses they would just say it's such a magical night we're so happy (laughs) it's such a magical night to be here like they wouldn't talk about it I was watching the Conan interview that they did after that and like the fact that people were actually really pissed at them for Mm. that like because it's like you know not fancy and uh, they made a joke of the Oscars like people were pissed and then he said um, that they ran into J Lo after that at a party, and yeah. she like 
She was mad. She was pissed. Really? <laughs> like she, I forget what she said to him or didn't say, but it was like very clear that oh. she was pissed off. And then they were like, oh, it's, it's probably because the Oscars. It's so funny that anyone would care. They were J-Lo and Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. And well, old Gwenny, she's got They saw Gwyneth Paltrow there. Yeah. And it was awkward. And See, but uh, J-Lo was at a think, party later Have on. they maybe said something awful about both of them on South Park oh, at some well, point and deserve I, it? I know that... <laughs> J-Lo, there's a whole episode, okay, so this is such a tangent, but there's a whole episode about J-Lo where yeah. Cartman, for some reason, he does, like, you know, when you make the hand talk, yeah, and he Hello. makes it, it's Jennifer Lopez, oh. and he does the whole thing where his hand is Jennifer Lopez, and the hand gets famous, and everyone actually believes it's Jennifer Lopez, and the hand gets in a fight with Jennifer Lopez, and this was back when she was dating Ben Affleck the first time, right. and Ben Affleck falls in love with the hand, Jennifer Lopez, and it becomes a whole thing, and... um. Then there's like everyone's fighting over this hand, J Lo, and uh, yeah, yeah. How when is that episode? How old is it's that episode? Early South Park. So then it they might have she might have seen that she might have like, she uh, J Lo definitely would have reason uh, not pretending not. Is but. that like if you make a show, the whole point of which is I don't give a fuck about anybody or what they think. And then you go to a party with a bunch of famous people, and then some of them don't seem to like you. You can't be mad. Oh, he wasn't mad. Yeah, they I don't they think weren't they mad. Be. They were just like, nah, yeah, like she's definitely pissed at but us. But also, like, the Oscars are not actually special. There's nothing, <laughs> like, they're not, it's not like they give a bunch of money to charity or they do something important. It's just like, no, nah, this is an award show. It's snobby. It's very pretentious. snobby. It's very snobby. And if you want to talk about snobby, but they lost what? the Oscar to Phil Collins. I know. I Although think you can't deservedly be mad. so. You can't deservedly be mad. so. Would it be great if Blame Canada had somehow won an Oscar? Sure. That sure. would be funny for historical purposes. Any other year, it would have been fine. But when you're up against every song from Tarzan, you can't beat Tarzan. You just can't. I can't think of one song in Tarzan. That isn't better than every song in the South Park movie, and that's no insult to the South Park movie. No, it's just it's. Look, we I all know Phil Collins went way too hard on the Tarzan soundtrack, yeah. and we're forever grateful for it, but we're funny, forever funny confused meme for it. That what would oh, Phil yeah. Collins was so hard? You're a big me. You're a big man. <laughs> <laughs> Phil big Collins meme. Oscar. Well, I um, want to know which song he won for. It's got to be "You'll Be in My Heart," right? Because there's no way it's uh, a man. Because for some reason, that it's win. hard to find the answer. This is so annoying. I'm what? Sorry. Like it's when you Google like, when you Google Phil Collins Oscar, it just says best original song 2000. Well, look up what was best original song 2000. What won the best original song for the millennium in the year 2000? But also, I think Phil Collins might have other Oscars. I have to check. You'll be in my heart. That was the yeah, one. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, Academy Award best original song. I want to see. I just let's talk about some of these winners. Real let's quick. talk about winners, baby. <laughs> um, so these are the nominees and the winner. So real quick, Bob Dylan apparently has an Oscar, which I didn't know because uh, it turns out things have changed. Yeah, the Bob I Dylan song is from the movie Wonder Boys. I didn't know that. I recently heard that on. I was I heard an advertisement for a Bob Dylan podcast while listening to one of my podcasts, and that was mentioned. Oh Molly, do you want to do funny Bob Dylan impressions? You know how people make fun of his voice. Let's do funny Bob Dylan voices. Wait, we have to do our favorite. Wait. <clears throat> It's a choice of making. It's saving our own life. I can't even do it. It's, it's a choice of making. 
You do it so good. I'm no. I'm the better not good. day, just you and me. No human being can do what he does. There's a clip. If you haven't seen it, please go to YouTube right now. There is footage of <laughs> like real time as Bob Dylan records his solo for "We Are the World." What a nightmare! Oh, By the end of it, you feel crazy. You feel insane, but trust me, it's it's the most worth it thing in the world. Make it vanity, just, just you and me. He like does not understand how the song works. No, and he doesn't. He understand also doesn't understand that. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is blind. Oh, there's a really there's great a part. Great there's a part where Bob Dylan thinks he's finally nailed it. Like so, this is like his tenth time trying. Make a binity, just you and me. And then he looks over at Stevie Wonder and goes like, as if nodding <laughs> for approval. And then he seems to remember. Oh, he can't see me do that. And he just kind of like licks Looks his lips at, and goes it's back to so the, funny. It's subtle. But it's so good. If you're looking, and for like it, you it's get the good. feeling somehow that Stevie Wonder knew, like he definitely knew Bob Dylan did that. Maybe he has Daredevil senses, and he heard him yeah. whip his big mop of hair around. Real quick, 1999. These are the nominees. The nominees for best original song are oh. "When She Loved Me," Toy Story 2, music and lyrics by Randy Newman. Oof, pain. Blame Canada from South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. I'm still surprised that of all, like, I mean, I get that it's a, yeah. there was there only like movie song really, but like, there's other songs in that movie. No, but like that's like the main you one from that movie. You can't nominate a song called "Kyle's Mom Is a Bitch." Okay, but they should. Like, that's such a good song. Have you seen on the on YouTube on yeah, the social media probably. for the big anniversary, whatever anniversary of South Park this is? It's 30 years, right? Because it's 1990. 98? I don't know. Yeah, whatever so the, whatever season this we're is. We're on 25. Right. Well, whatever season this is, they're doing these, like they got like an orchestra together with like yes. a chorus and they just the other day released uh, a big orchestral version of Kyle's Mom. It's such a good song. I, I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if they keep in the part where they do all the different the languages. The different languages. Yeah. That, well, that one's only from the movie. So I don't yeah. know. Okay, so this they is- They sing that on the show? We've got so many tangents here. Yeah. We've got know. so many threads going all over the place. Um, but yes, yeah, so in the original Mr. Hanky episode, uh. um, in that episode, because um, Kyle's mom made a big deal about the fact that like they can't sing Christmas, do Christmas stuff at school because Kyle's I'm Jewish. Jewish yeah. um, Cartman sings that song, and it's a shorter version. It doesn't have that version, and he doesn't say- fucking bitch because right. it was it's an a early show. South Park. Um, he doesn't say talk to kids around the, the world. It might, might go, go a little, little something, something like, like this. this. And then yeah. I don't know any other languages. So well, okay. I don't know other languages. And I also um, don't want to dress in offensive costumes like Cartman does. Cartman something tells in... me he blackface. He does a, a big Asian hat. I know he, they do, one of the languages is um, I think it's some not Samoan. Maybe Zimbabwe they went to. It's it's offensive. It, it's an no. African it is. Culture. It is. It's offensive. It's it's racist. Um, but it's a catchy ass tune. It was also yeah. I mean that was South Park's whole brand. They made their their money. They made their bed and they lay in it. They made their money doing racist stuff, and they're not gonna stop, baby. Anyway, so real quick, um, let me finish the South Park. Yes, thing. sorry. Uh, blame Canada. Trey Parker and Mark Shaman. Mark Shaman, we all know, wrote the music and lyrics to Hairspray and a zillion other big musicals. So he and Trey Parker wrote that together. Um, Music of My Heart by Diane Warren from the film Music of the Heart. That's annoying That's and confusing. Annoying. <laughs> Just call them both the same thing. Uh, Magnolia. I, I keep switching the title. Yeah. That, yeah, okay. Save Me by Amy Mann 
from Magnolia and You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins from Disney's Tarzan. Now, Trey was up against a lot in that category because you've got Randy Newman and yeah. Phil Collins. That's like, the thing is that I don't that's know. Tough. I don't know. Save me or music of my heart. Yeah, no. that's just it, th- this always happens with the Oscars. We're like five years out. I mean, yeah. it's been twenty years since this one, but like five years out, you don't know two thirds of the nominees anymore. But do you remember that one time they only nominated two songs? Yes, and it was like, oh, wasn't it something ridiculous too? It was "Man or a Muppet." Yes, and then and then the song from Rio Two, <laughs> which I'll check. I'll check what the name is, but I have no clue what the song from Rio Two is. Uh, just real quick. Let's lead up to Rio 2. Let's keep the audience in suspense about um, Rio 2. But real quick, let's just the other nominees along the uh, the other winners nominees along the way. We'll just do some notable ones. The year 2000. Things have changed by Bob Dylan from Underboys, but he beat Sting and Dave Hartley for the Emperor's New Groove song, My Funny Friend and Me. If they had nominated Snuff Out the Light, they would have won. Um Apparently, Meet the Parents has an original song by Randy Newman that was also nominated. Real quick, Randy Newman, like five years in a row, is getting nominated. Randy Newman is always killing it. He is only doing movie songs. He's won a zillion of these things at this point. But like, I mean, I think he's got two. Uh, but, (laughs) (laughs) But like, Randy Newman... Just at a glance, like yeah, he 1995 for Toy Story. You've got a friend in me. Loses to Colors of the Wind. That's a that's a tough one because you've got because you've got a friend in me is from a better movie, but Colors of the Wind is it might be a better song. You know what I mean? I love Colors of the but Wind, but you got a friend in me is gonna get stuck in your head. Yeah, I'm sorry. I keep scrolling back, and Randy Newman is continually nominated. So 94. For the paper, he loses to Can You Feel the Love Tonight. But man, was 94 stacked because they nominate. there's five nominees. Mm-hmm. They nominated three songs from The Lion King. See, that's tough. Circle that's of Life, tough. Hakuna Matata, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Can You Feel the Love Tonight won. Yeah, which but that's they not the almost, best song. They almost cut from the movie. Jeffrey Katzenberg wanted to cut that song. He also wanted to cut Part of Your World, which he has admitted like was obviously a mistake. Can, I'm gonna point. I'm gonna say an unpopular thing. Yeah. Can you feel the love tonight should have been cut? It's so freaking boring. I'm not a huge fan of the song, but Elton John, when they said they were thinking of cutting it, he was like, Well, the only reason I wanted to do this was because I like Disney love songs, so I'd really like to keep it. And the number of people who have Can You Feel the Love Tonight as like a wedding song, including our parents. Do you remember that? What? This? Do you remember in our parents' wedding video? It's not their wedding song it's oh. not their first song which there is power of love by selena oh, that is their it. Song. yeah but i can you feel the love tonight plays at our par- in the video of our parents wedding wait I'm can sorry. you feel the love tonight plays can you can you imagine if instead their song was the power of love by Huey? <laughs> when i was a kid i thought that's what it was because they i would go like mommy <gasps> daddy what? I, I wasn't like four but you know i was like what what, what was your wedding song and mom would go uh power of love and I was immediately <laughs> go, like, that's the power of love. I was like, are you guys cooler than I thought? Like, <laughs> like, don't need no credit card to ride this train. Okay. So anyway, um, real quick. Randy yeah. Newman, 1994, song called Make Up Your Mind from the paper. He was nominated. Uh, then again, the next year for, um, sorry, then again, the next year for Toy Story in 95. Uh, he takes he takes a year off in 96, um, but he's nominated again, 98. Uh, and then 99, then in the year 2000, 2001, he wins for Monsters, Inc., if I didn't And he should. Yes. And then, you know, uh, we, we get a little break from old Randy until 2006. He doesn't win, but he's nominated for Our Town from Cars. Wow, taking some time off, Randy. You're really Whoa. slacking. You know what's funny? Enchanted. 
with Amy uh, Amy Adams. Yeah, that movie also has three song nominations. It should because that underrated movie, first of all, underrated movie won. musical, second of all, and third of all, underrated performance by every actor yeah. in that film. What are the three songs? That's how you know. I'm sure. The three songs are "That's How You Know." Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess? Yeah. Do you it, remember all the songs from Enchanted? That's how you know. Right. Um. Oh, the love one. The love one. The the one that just Amy Adams sings. I can't think of the name of it. Dang it. Um. I've been dreaming of a true love. Do you, that one do you is? mean so close? Is that the? I don't know. Okay, because the song "So Close" was the uh, was also nominated. And what was the other one? Um. So close, and then the last one is "Happy Working Song." Oh yeah, you know, that sing was, a I happy little that. working song. That None of them won. My playlist today. They lost to the movie version of "Once," falling uh-huh. slowly. So I that's think that's a good song. That's one of those songs that they add for a movie of a musical, and they so they can win the Oscar. Princess that's not the, in regular ones. Are you sure? It's an original song. You can only win for original. Ah, song. well, it's beautiful. so maybe they've put it in the stage version since or something. But that's what happened. You know what bugs me, and what we should do the whole episode, well, the rest what, what, of the episode about is the version of Grease that is a movie versus oh. what Grease is as a play. We, I should, have, we can absolutely go off on that. I have such hot takes. I, I do want to keep talking about it. I think stuff. we need to pause for a minute. Please. One quick minute. Let's check in with our audience for a second. You guys doing okay? We have taken you- How's everybody doing? All over the place. We've been talking about songs in South Park. And, and we we really jumped so many tangents. The song of Spider-Man. Well, well let's, let's take a tea real quick, a real tea. Yeah. We're going to get back to the Oscars. We're going to get back to Grease. Did you have anything else that you wanted to update them about with the Spider-Man musical? Because um, I feel like yes, you didn't I, mention something that you wanted. You were very adamant about telling them. Having read the book, I want to say that um, I just want to say that I have a new perspective. <laughs> just a, just a whole different way of looking at the Spider-Man musical. You get a lot more insight from the book, but. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was that we were talking about why the show closed, and I wasn't really sure because it was doing pretty good. It, it became a hit. Um, and after running for three years, what happened was an actor named Daniel Curry, he was one of the dancers, uh, he was in it when we saw it. Which, by the way, I also dug up the playbill from when you and I saw mm-hmm. Spider-Man as youths. We went in March, or f- February or March mm-hmm. of 2011. Because the playbill is the playbill for March, but like if it was the last week of yeah. February, they would have already had the new. Anyway, um, we saw Matthew James Thomas, I think is his name. He's the guy from Pippin uh, as Spider Man. Um, and there's also like one other substitution. It's like Craven the Hunter will be played by someone else. Um, so here's a, is, uh, which, oh, by the way, that means that what we saw is not Spider Man 1.0. Or Spider-Man 2.0. We saw Spider-Man 1.5 because Julie Taymor made a series of small changes. Mm. For she, they gave her like three weeks to do whatever she wanted to try to fix it. Okay. And then she was removed. Uh, She probably was already removed by the time we saw it behind the scenes. And they began rehearsing the new Mm. version in the mornings, right when they were doing performing the show at night. Yeah. So we saw it at perhaps the most tumultuous time. We saw the most. Julie Taymor, you know, because it's not just, it's not just like her unimpeded vision would have been great to see, but we saw her try to fix it. So that's kind of great. And we saw it fail. It's very, there's just minor changes. Like mm-hmm. the the song about the shoes is longer and they have Arachne have a dream about marrying Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember In the that. middle of the song, yeah. yeah. So stuff like that was added, which 
didn't need uh, to but, be. But how wonderful is it that we got to experience it's beautiful. that? beautiful. I wish it's I had better. a better memory. I, I, having seen videos of it now so many times, I'm mm-hmm. uh, part of it is like, I definitely remember this, and then there are parts where it's like, I have no recollection of any of this. Mm. Anyway, sorry. So this actor, Daniel Curry, he was in it from the beginning, from mm-hmm. when we saw it. And he was in the show. With the, the show has now been on Broadway for three years. There's a scene at the beginning of Act Two. The fixed version of Act Two opens with Norman Osborn, now fully the Green Goblin. He does some some crowd work, some audience banter. And then you see that he has all these scientists tied up with him, and he's going to turn them into the Sinister Six. He's going to mutate them for betraying him, is the crux of the scene. But they're tied up on the floor with blindfolds on. But the blindfolds are neon green because green goblin. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so that's really the art direction of the scene. And so then the way it works is that I, I, we talked last time about this big rising platform in the middle of the stage. Mm-hmm. They basically cut a big hole in the stage where the orchestra pit used to be so that all these big props could go down and up. It's basically a scissor lift. Mm-hmm. With a big flat part on top and then the stage would be complete once it rose but there are certain times where there's a giant hole in the floor, which mm-hmm. is where the guy fell into when he injured himself, Chris Tierney. Um, so one night, they're doing the show. Everything's going normal. There has not been an accident for months. Ticket sales are pretty great. The last few weeks had been less than a million dollars, which isn't great for the show because the show needs to make like $1.1 million a week to stay afloat. But it's doing pretty good. And then... At the start of Act 2, this actor, Daniel Curry, he's tied up as a scientist sitting on the ground. And as they rise the platform up to the stage, his foot is a little too far off the edge of the platform. And it gets caught between the floor that rises and the stage that they're rising up to. So basically, his foot was crushed. And when I say crushed, I mean that this poor, unfortunate actor lost part of his foot because of this. It was so bad that they couldn't just lower the floor and pull him back. They put up a curtain on stage, like a surgical curtain on stage, and they had like firefighters come in and cut the area of the floor surrounding his foot so that they could get his foot out, like the jaws of life. Some might say he couldn't rise above. A man lost his foot. Well, he lost most of his foot. You said rise so many times, I I couldn't He was a... He was an actor in his mid-twenties. He had a promising oh, career as a dancer. dancer. And it's so yeah. tragic. It's really tragic. It's really very sad. Because Chris Tierney fell and nearly died. He could, he easily could have died that night. Yeah. But you know what? He was back on his feet. He was in the show again. There was another actor who had broken his wrists during a test show. But hey, those wrists heal. He's okay. He can still be a dancer. This guy lost a big chunk of his foot. And as far as I can tell, he's no longer a dancer. Uh, He was the only one who uh, sued the producers. Now, Julie Tamor sued the producers for residuals because she Mm -hmm. wrote part of the script. But like accident-wise, the only person who sued the producers was this guy because, you know. He lost his foot. Lost part of his foot. And it's really sad and tragic. But that is essentially what sank the show was that we hadn't been doing so great the last few weeks on ticket sales. And then this... Very tragic accident happened. But here's the thing. The reason why I like hadn't heard this part of the story is because when the book Song of Spider-Man was published, that hadn't happened yet. So when the book was published, it was like everything's going great. All of a sudden, Spider-Man's a success. It's been running for three years against all odds. 
and people actually like it and have a good time, you know? And then the book was published, and then what I read was the uh, the hardcover version of it. And when they were preparing the hardcover version, they have the author write like a little P.S. Uh, at the end because he the book ends also. P.S. A man lost part of his foot, and we had to close the show. Yeah, well, basically, I mean, he was he's the writer, so he's yeah. not exactly around at that point anymore. Mm-hmm. But every night he would he talks about like getting the little email updates that say uneventful, uneventful as like show notes for what went wrong <laughs> and how that was such a relief on Spider Man to just get the note that says like no. Nobody died tonight. Oh, thank God. And then one night, of course, he hears this horrible news. But the um, the the book also ends with him saying he's never spoken to Julie Taymor again, despite them being good friends at the time. And then so in this P.S. that was done for the hardcover version, he corrects both of those things. And Mm -hmm. says like the show's closing now because of this unfortunate accident and lawsuit and i have spoken to julie Taymor again since she's and kind I of told polite her, fuck you no they <laughs> she called i guess to ask about what was going to be in the book and whatever and he talks about like for a little bit it just sounded like a normal conversation he was really sad just because it's like oh that was my friend yeah like despite all the spider-man stuff Aww. like that was my friend and it was it's really sad but he's continued to be a very successful writer so he's fine he's doing good that okay. book is great by the way like just a really good book i would like to read you one brief excerpt from the book. Oh boy. This is when he meets Bono and Edge for the first time. Glenn Berger, the author of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, who was a successful playwright, but mostly wrote kids shows for PBS, like mm-hmm. Fetch with Rough Rough. So they take him to see this U2 concert. He goes backstage. Bono says, are you sure you're up to this? Because this can't be anything less than brilliant. This has to be good. This is a weird idea. And if my name's going to be on it, this has to be really, really good. And he's very scared and he's, you know, I'm going to try. So then um, the, the U2 begins to play Blinding Lights. The crowd is is excited. It's It's wonderful. They're roaring. And so then the excerpt is, right away, this concert was confirming what I imagined all playwrights feel whenever they watch a rock concert. Plays blow. <laughs> it's just about like, man, rock shows are cool. And basically what he takes away from that is like, I mean, if you just show people a rock concert, they're going to have a good time. Yeah. Like we, This is going to work. Everyone, it's so sad. This is another quote. Before something can be brilliant, it first has to be competent. From my list of lessons learned. Like, there are all these little <laughs> things. Um, I'm not going to torture you with all these excerpts I saved from the book. He had a really good time reading it, though, folks. And that's why we, Danny, I read it Danny's in- been saying... For days now, we, he needs to update you all because he knows yeah. you You all care so deeply. We all care so much about Spider-Man. I read the book. I started it on a Monday night. I kept reading until like 4 a.m. I woke up the next day and at like 7 so that I could I could commute. And then um, once I got to, to uh, my college from the commute, I then read it during class and finished <laughs> the book in class. Uh, before twelve, so I j- I basically he just read this. Powered through that book, I could not stop reading. Um, this is another great part. This is while they're rewriting it. He says, um, they're talking about the relationship between Peter and Mary Jane, and the new director's like, well, I don't see why they have to have any problem. They could just be like a couple. And then he says, well, that'll suck all the dramatic tension out if we make it too easy for the audience. See, Glenn clucked Phil. That's why your show didn't work. You guys wanted to make it so hard for the audience. <laughs> Roberto gave me a look like, why are you being difficult? <laughs> just, just, yeah, oh my God. There's also a part where Bono was writing the song Freak Like Me Needs Company. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Bono is lying on a couch in the middle of a recording room, improvising goblin lines into a handheld mic over an endless groove. So they've got like a looping beat. Bono is making up lyrics in character. He was scatting, hacking up tar, yawning, cackling into the mic. Bring out the dancing girls. The crossroads of the world need a little resurrection. <laughs> there, uh, it used to be really rotten around here. Now you can't even buy me an erection. Ho, ho, sorry, darling. We will clean up the lyrics for Phil. Not a problem. <laughs> it's just... Have you um seen the South Park about Bono? Um... Where it is revealed that Bono is actually um, the world's largest poop up He's until that time. Yeah, the world's biggest shit. Yes. Yeah, I have seen that one. I'm um, not a fan. That is what I could think of when he that. when you said the line that it had to be brilliant. It couldn't be yeah. anything less because he is on Bono. The there's this funny like running joke throughout the book. It's not a joke because it was real life, but like there's <laughs> this kind of running bit throughout the book where they'll be in a meeting about the play. And Bono will say, like, I'm so sorry. I, I got to take this call. Can you excuse me for a minute? And he'll walk away. And Glenn Berger will be like, I can't believe what a jerk Bono is. I mean, we're trying to write a musical with him. We only get to see him once every three months because he's always on tour. He hasn't been to any rehearsals. And he has the, the nerve to take a phone call in the middle of our meeting. And then Bono will come back and say, like... I was just on the phone with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, because I'm very unhappy with a bill she's about to pass, and I wanted her assurance that they would amend it. Thank you. And then Glenn Berger will go, before noon, Bono had spoken to the Speaker of the House and stopped a bill from passing. I had finished a latte. <laughs> like, it's just a weird running thing where, like, there's one where Bono shows up to, um, like, the workshop where they're doing music. He shows up late. And he's like, I'm so sorry, guys, I got held up. And then the next day, Glenn Berger, like, checked the news and Bono had been uh, in the White House talking to Barack Obama that afternoon and then drove all the way to New York from Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> like, been driven, of course. Bono's not getting ready to of a car. Bono's taking a little road trip himself. He's just like, it's just funny to me. Like, I just really liked this running thing of, like, you know, Bono's that guy who thinks he's going to save the world and whatever. And it's like, I just like the joke of, like, Glenn Berger constantly being like, God, he's so... No oh, he's doing an important thing. Okay. Well, I can't really be mad <laughs> if he's... Um, they talk about how there's another part where they go to a U2 concert <laughs> while they're trying to fix the show. And they, like, U2 straight up, you know, Glenn Berger's like... God, it's this Spider-Man thing. It's ruining my whole life. Everything's awful. And then during the show, Bono and The Edge, they project a photo of this Cambodian prisoner who's uh, like a Aww. prisoner of the government. And they're like, this man has been held for 30 years. Uh, simply, he's been sentenced to life in prison simply for speaking out against the oppressive Chinese government or whatever. And then Glenn Berger's like, maybe the play is not such a big deal. Like, I, I just really like the perspective. Anyway, so... Um. Did you know that the, I'm sorry, an inconvenient truth, the Al Gore documentary mm -hmm. won the Academy Award for best song. What the, uh, I, I can't with this. So, so, okay. So that was, we took the pen out of that. Yes. We, we addressed We're Danny's updates. We're done with Spider-Man. It's buried. It's gone. I'd like to say Danny's not going to mention it every episode from here on out, but I think it's going to be a real late shift at Halloween some point, kind of At thing. some point I had pledged Danny, to sing Beautiful Ghosts in every episode. Spider-Man might take that spot. Uh, See, um, you guys, Danny does this thing where he reads a book and uh, then it only furthers his obsession. Yeah. I listen to audiobooks a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't like read, like sit down and read a ton mm -hmm. of books because I'm usually, I, I draw on stuff. So I have, like, my eyes are usually busy. And so then I listen to stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I have listened to two separate books 
about the writing of the Halloween movies. I have listened to two separate books about the late shift, Jay Leno, And he Johnny was Carson really thing. upset there was only one about Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the thing is that there needs to be a second. And so this is my last Spider-Man note <laughs> before we push this thing off a cliff for a while. That was a poor taste because that kind of <laughs> The last, uh, no one pushed him. He just fell. He just, so <laughs> they didn't plug the cable in. So anyway, he dove to his almost death. The poor guy. Anyway, so the last thing I'll say is that I was so upset that there's not like a second and third. Like, why is there not a compendium about this uh, Spider-Man musical? Well, here's the really upsetting thing. Michael Cole is the name of the producer who secured the money for them to get the show on Broadway in the first place. Show was going to shut down like 2009 or 10 before it reached previews because they had no money. But Bono called Michael Cole, who was a rock concert promoter, millionaire, who became the new producer, eventually was the one who had to fire Julie Taymor. Um, he was a money guy. His son, Jacob, uh, is a filmmaker. And so Jacob Cole was there with uh, a, a limited camera crew through all of rehearsals, through the problems, through opening night. He has footage of the show being performed. He has footage of Julie Taymor in workshops with the actors. He has footage of Bono writing songs. He has footage of, of once they have fired Julie Taymor. He has this feature-length documentary mm about the production of the Spider-Man musical, not to mention a treasure trove of historic footage of the Spider-Man musical. He has all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's locked away. We'll never see it because of that lawsuit between Julie Tamor and the producers. That documentary is never coming out. It will never be seen. And somebody asked Glenn Berger, do you have a recording of the original version of Spider-Man? Mm -hmm. And he said, I used to but I don't anymore. I got it from Jacob Cole because for the documentary, he recorded the original version of the show. Mm -hmm. In the book at one point, Julie Taymor is protesting Michael Cole because they're about to close her original version. Right. She was like, please, you gotta let the people from the Lincoln Center record mm -hmm. my original version of Spider-Man or it'll be gone forever. Right. And he refused because that's not the version they were gonna open as mm -hmm. the real musical, which is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Because at that point, she doesn't want money or anything. She just wants, wants it, it on tape somewhere. Which I would have really sat in sad. the audience with a fucking camcorder up my sleeve and been like, Here's the thing. Someone out there has a very high quality bootleg of Spider-Man 1.0 and we can't see it because I don't have anything worth giving them. I, it's the it's the Broadway bootleg community where you have to trade something of equal value to get it. Damn. And someone out there has 1.0. Almost no one has 1.0, but someone out there does. And I can taste it. And you know it's Julie herself. You know it's Julie. <laughs> you know it's her. <laughs> no, but like, so Jacob Cole has this documentary somewhere and it's just sad for him as a filmmaker. That, so like, why can't it come out? I believe... Uh, this is kind of the assumption of people is because uh -huh. of the Julie Taymor lawsuit. Um, she said you can't release. She this basically one of her conditions was like, "Don't release that." Okay, so there's got to be some type of loophole if one of them dies or something Definitely. because footage comes out all the Disney Plus just released that undone Beatles, Beatles thing. Yeah. This is going to be it's your, your Back, Beatles thing. Which is oh, fewer that's... words than the, the Beatles thing. I didn't watch it yet. I'm a big fan. I really liked it. Um, um, there was simultaneously, fun fact, um, a Netflix um, documentary about the Beatles that mm. had been released. And my friend Elizabeth par Elizabeth's parents asked her if they, she wanted to watch the Beatles documentary with them. And oh. she assumed it was going to be the Disney yeah, one. Yeah, but it was the knockoff. And she didn't know the whole time she was watching it that it wasn't the Disney one. She thought and she saw Get Back. it's a lot about... 
like John Lennon and protesting the war. And so there's a lot of images of war and like bodies and these yeah. things. And she was like, this is really dark for Disney. And she posted it on her Snap story. Yeah. And I thought it was really funny. So I like responded. And then she was like, I wasn't watching <laughs> the one that everyone yeah. else is talking about. She's like, your parents ask you to sit down for a Beatles documentary. Yeah. You think it's going to be the big one. But she should have noticed that it wasn't eight hours long. She was like, why is this all about John and Yoko yeah. Odo? Like, and not the uh, Beatles. Yeah. Hi, Elizabeth, if you're listening. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm Danny. Also, um, this is so irrelevant, but um, you know how, like I said, I was really obsessed with Scientology in the last um, yeah. thing? So... Um, well, I've been really obsessed with more cults and I've been learning a lot about them. Mm-hmm. And um, I recently watched The Vow on HBO Max and in it there's this woman, Nancy Salzman, who was the co-founder of this cult. And um, Salzman, my friend's last name. Mm. And she also lives in New York. And I was like, oh my God. Are you related to cult lady? Are you related to cult lady? Um, I didn't ask cult- her that um, because... I felt weird, but I just couldn't not think of it the whole time. Um, but yeah, I'm real into cults, guys. The cult thing is still going. Danny's Spider-Man thing is real going. And we're going to close the loop on our little yes. on our little And we're going to, we have a very natural transition back to the Oscar song thing. Because in 2002, after Randy Newman wins for Monsters, Inc., if I didn't have you, which, by the way, he beats he beats Sting, who had just lost the previous year for the Emperor's New Groove oh. one. So poor Sting can't catch a break. Poor millionaire rock star Sting. What was Sting's song for? It was for Kate and Leopold. Do you know that movie? Mm-hmm. Fresh Creamery Butter. No. It's about Hugh Jackman is a guy from the 1800s. Oh, yes, yes. He gets transported to modern yeah. times. We've talked about it before. Um, he uh, Real quick, Randy Newman that year also beat You'll Be There by Diane Warren from Pearl Harbor. Oh. And he beat May It Be from The Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Each of those movies has original songs. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he also beat uh, Paul McCartney for Vanilla Sky. So Paul McCartney had written a song for the movie Vanilla Sky, same title as Mm -hmm. the song. Uh, So Randy Newman beat him. Uh, I beat like it's a fight. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so then, get this, buddy. 2002, Eight Mile Mm -hmm. wins, Lose Yourself. Eminem, uh, Jeff Bass, and Luis Resto. Eminem does the lyrics, but those are the people who did the the music. Mm-hmm. So, Lose Yourself wins. It beats uh, a song from Chicago mm-hmm. by Kander and Ebb, who wrote the original songs for Chicago mm-hmm. and also wrote that song for the movie. It beats uh, U2, mm-hmm. you know, Bono in the Edge. It beats them for um, The Hands That Built America from Gangs of New York. And it beat Paul Simon for Father and Daughter from the Wild Thornberrys movie. <laughs> so not only did... Not only did Eight Mile win against U2, it won against Elliot Goldenthal and Julie Taymor. Wow. For Burn It Blue from Frida. Wow. We had talked about- We had talked about her Frida Yes, nomination. we had talked about uh, her, her Frida direction and, and how mm-hmm. that's a great movie. While I had no clue she wrote the lyrics to that song, I do know that her movies have music by Elliot Goldenthal, who is her, her partner. Mm-hmm. He also wrote the music for Batman Forever. So that's why I know that name. <laughs> no, like no joke. I w- when I saw Alien 3 for the first time, mm-hmm. which is a depressing movie. Yeah. When I saw Alien 3 for the first time, there's this part where these trumpets go. And I was like, that sounds like the Batman Forever theme. And I not sure. even the Batman Forever theme, though, like the music that plays when they're having the big Batmobile chase and mm-hmm. Two-Face goes. Because Tommy Lee Jones has no control in that movie. <laughs> I was like. 
that sounds a lot like the Batman Forever music. And then the music credit came up and it was Elliot Goldenthal. And I was like, oh, okay. So he just likes those trumpets. Then I watched the movie Demolition Man, which I had not seen since I was a kid. These are way different movies. No, okay. (laughs) When your film composers do amass a weird, like, list of credits, I always bring up Danny Elfman having written the score for Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, it's just like... The Oingo Boingo guy who does like all these cool weird musicals also <laughs> did like the Fifty Shades of Grey. Whatever music is in the background of that, just like duh, 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 all I can think of is that song that was probably freaking nominated probably for best original Academy song. Academy Award, Fifty Shades of Grey, That's the song "Fucking." Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> fucking music and lyrics by Danny Elfman. By Will Smith. It sounds uh, like it would have been. Oh, but he doesn't curse in his raps. True. He doesn't curse. Worst he'll say is hell. Yeah, but like, damn. what if the purpose of it was? To be literal, just to be a song about literal, fucking, yeah, I, he might have to. That's kind of funny. Um, but like the end will be back, backwards or something. I it, like. he, it, he be, it'll bleep. Yeah. In the he goes. It it sounds like in. Yeah, like so maybe that's fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, but, so Elliot Goldenfall. Okay. He I watched the Demolition. movie Demolition Man, which is a fun '90s action movie where Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone get mm-hmm. thought out in the future a la Captain America. Right. Uh, it's also one of those movies where Dennis Leary is just there as an actor and you're like, God, you're Dennis Leary. Stop distracting me. I every know. 90s, <laughs> every 90s movie. It's so weird. You can't watch the Thomas Crown Affair without Dennis Leary popping up. You can't, can't watch, watch the Wag ref. Wag the Dog, right? Wag the Dog. We're just That's watching Wag the Dog and great all of movie. a sudden in there just pops up Dennis Leary and you're like, why? Always in like a long coat. Yeah, he is. And like trying to kind of pull off a Bon Jovi-esque thing, I yeah. feel like, and and Weird not, vibe. right? Yeah. But um anyway, so anyway. It, I was watching Demolition Man and there's this part at the end where like they're it's the big action climax. And there's this song and it's got kind of choral voices in the background, you know. And but it's like it's so familiar. I'm like I've heard this. Is like do they it, sometimes You'll hear a piece of music and you go, why do I know this? This is just a song from a movie and it's because it's in movie trailers. Mm-hmm. There's this one song called, uh, it's, it's, I forgot who wrote it, but it's, it's like Adagio in D minor is the Uh-oh. title track. It's from the movie 28 Days Later, which is a zombie movie, mm-hmm. but they use it in like every movie trailer and mm-hmm. they flat out played the entire thing in Wonder Woman 1984 for a full scene. They just played this existing piece of music that's in a zillion trailers. <laughs> it was really weird. It's at the point where I keep thinking it's like a piece of classical music that's just it getting sounds reused. Like it. <laughs> well, it's called Adagio in D, but yeah. yeah so, but anyway, um. This music in Demolition Man, I'm like, what is this? And then I realize that like two years after Demolition Man, Elliot Goldenthal mm-hmm. reused that piece of music from his own score in Demolition Man. He reused that as the theme for Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. <laughs> so every time Mr. Freeze talks to his wife, it's that same thing. And I was like, this is insane. This is the same. Like composers do that all the time. Right. But like- it was just so funny to me that I'm like, oh, this is a Batman and Robin track. And then I'm like, God, you're like an Oscar winning composer. Anyway. They got to have some. So uh, before we move forward with listing these, um, yeah. I, I want to do some some introing because we totally jumped into this topic without. We just started. We, uh, yeah, I don't even know how we started. I don't, I don't even know, know how we got here. Got South bored. Park, maybe. Oh, yeah. That was it. Um, Robin Williams. Um, Danny and I have a real... Um, it's to scratch about best song, best original song. Yeah. Um, it's really one of my Do you pet peeves. 
I don't. I didn't know it's what. I couldn't figure out. I still don't know I've what I'm looking for. I've got an itch to scratch. <laughs> I need a sister. Danny and I talk <laughs> a lot about. That was a good Susan Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of you because I was listening to a podcast and they said Chris Sarandon. And oh, yeah. I couldn't help but think of you and the pronunciation of the last name. Hello, this is Chris Sarandon, the voice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know why I kept thinking it was I had Sarandon. never heard it outside of, of you saying it. Getting confused about how you say Susan Sarandon. Yeah. I knew she was Susan Sarandon. I don't know yeah, why I thought were, he would have been were, different. I don't know. Anyway, um, so Danny and I, I often really complain to Danny about Best Original Song because of what Danny was hinting at before, where for a movie musical, they just write a new Hate song. It. And it's like, for me personally, like, no offense to anyone who writes a song, but if your song's the fucking song over the credits and it's not like to a fun bit over the credits, don't even try. Don't even try. I'm talking to you in the Heights movie whose song was nominated for their fucking thing over the credits. Get out of here. Can I just say, I don't like when musical- I don't even know if it was nominated. I just know that they did it and that was why. I don't like when a movie musical throws in that extra song to win an Oscar. Hate that. Hate it. It's my pet peeve. But if you're gonna do- Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say specifically in Les Mis when they added that fucking stupid Hugh Jackman song. Oh my God, Les Mis. Okay, so first of all, Les Miserables Miserables. is already a long ass musical. Probably one of the longest musicals. That is all singing, nonstop singing. Yeah, a sung through musical. It's long for a sung through musical. It's a mega musical. It's essentially an opera. Yeah, basically. There's literally no spoken dialogue. Unlike, like, Phantom of the Opera has, like, very little spoken dialogue. Les Mis is maybe, like, even if the lines are spoken, they're still kind of sung. They're set to music, always. Yeah, like always. There's always something. The well, orchestra does not stop. Open curtain to closed curtain. I've been thinking about this recently, about yeah. the, the people who play music in a Broadway pit, the orchestra. I've been thinking about this too. Can you imagine, like, just, because it's it's one thing to be like, oh, well, I'm on stage, but I, like, you know, I get a break in scene two. I don't have to always be singing and dancing. The people in the orchestra start playing stop. music at the top of act one, and they don't stop till intermission. So that's usually like an hour, maybe yeah. an hour and a half. And then they come back for act two and they play for another like hour and a half. Even when the cast is taking bows, the orchestra so still, still has going. to, how do your fingers not just start bleeding every night? Well, when Jordan, so Jordan, my boyfriend and I just saw Book of Mormon yeah. and he was like, I said something about the music and he was like, well, they're singing to a track, right? And I was like, because no, you don't see the pit. Yeah. Like, and he, I was like, no, like it's, there's a live orchestra playing at every show. And he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, every single show. Like, and you can't fuck up either. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, if you're a fucking, like, trumpet, let's say, let's say you're a show with trumpets, you can't fuck up or the whole audience is gonna fucking hear no, that I'm shit. I'm Billy the trumpet guy. Yeah, I'm the trumpet guy. No, like, I, it's insane. And you never see, like, a clip of, like, a funny Broadway clip where it's like, oh, the orchestra goofed. It's always like this actor forgot a line. Yeah. It's never like the because the, they don't fucking no, goof. They, don't they are goof. on a hundred percent of the time, and you never see them. No, they granted, don't they can probably read sheet music. Well, granted, it's probably all muscle memory at that point. Oh yeah, I mean, well, if you're in it for a long time, it's like every night I play the same two and a half hours of music. Like that's first of all, you got to be insane. Yeah. Like that, you, gotta, <laughs> you have to go crazy. You have to feel crazy. It's, it's like, like one thing to be putting on a show. I feel like every day the same thing, but like I'd never touch a piano outside of work. Yeah, if I had to, I, just, I, I every wouldn't want to see one. Yeah, but I was thinking too about. Um, because when I went to see Book of Mormon, yeah. they you know like they don't have the stage door right now at the end because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but what I did see was, you know, you get to the show, let's say like a half hour early or whatever. I get to the show. We're waiting in line for them to like check your Vax card and everything. 
And I w- watch one of the actors off the street just walk into the stage door on the mm-hmm. side. And I'm like, as someone who's done like high school theater and college theater, it's like the thought of arriving so casually, just like a half hour before your performance. Yeah. And then like having to do a show and then you just like leave is insane to my brain. Like my brain couldn't comprehend that. Like you can't comprehend not going out to Applebee's after with the cast. Yeah. Or like getting there like two hours early for call. It's like, no, like they do this every day. Of course they don't have to get there ridiculously early, but like, how do you get yourself in that zone to like, like what? I don't know. Like he was just walking in with his little hat on and was just like, Hey, and I'm like, wow. Like it's so impressive to me. I, can't even fathom how they get I energized can. every I day. I would absolutely. You kidding me? Well, you're always ready to be on. What I wouldn't give for Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, I'm a real. Um, Broadway. but yeah, really hate when a Broadway so show. So add the song movie. in. I think it's better to just be like, ah, oh, fuck it. There's a credit song because it's like lazier than if you yes, add a scene. If you're gonna do it, yeah. do that, but or, don't fucking do it. Or you know, like cut two songs and replace them with one or do something smart. Don't just like lay Miz it and just like, we chucked an extra song in here that has no and, value. And it's it's so, so, so shitty. It's so, so that, shitty. It's I can't not remember funny. that song. I have, I have no I, recollection I, of it. When you get across it, you'll see it, I'm sure. But like, yeah. it's so dumb. It's Hugh Jackman. He's it's, singing about how he loves Cosette now. Yeah, it's a scene with Cosette and um, Jean Valjean in a carriage when he's taking her. Um, in the musical, this like doesn't happen because when he gets Cosette is the time jump when we jump ahead like 10 fucking years plus. Yeah, but now we got this extra scene. Now we get this extra jump. scene to see him carrying her in a carriage, which we don't need. It's so no. boring. And it's clearly an Oscar grab. And that's the thing. Like if no. I, someone who doesn't give a shit about the Oscars really, is sitting in the audience for the movie music movie of my favorite musical and I'm saying this is a fucking Oscar grab. You did a shit job. And it's always like that. It's the same thing we've talked about this. I'm so mad. We talked about this in the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Where they add the fucking Beast song. Not any of the existing Beast songs. Beast songs. And that song sucks. It sucks so hard. I, this is a hot take. I kind of like that song. No, it's only starting to grow on you because of how much it's been a joke to us. It's a shitty song and it doesn't need to be there. Now, Beautiful Ghost in Cats which I, I swear to God, this isn't just my cat's thing. Beautiful Ghost is the original song written for the Cats movie musical, co-authored by Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, it's fine. It's There's a version over the credits that is sung by Taylor Swift, which is pretty good. And I, I, I don't hate now, it. Now, that one is both a... Oscar grab and a Taylor Swift grab. You gotta have Taylor Swift write the song. Well, I don't think I don't think she would have done the movie yeah. if she because like maybe she would have been happy just doing an acting role. She did audition for Les Mis and they didn't cast her, and that's why the same director later cast her for. What did she audition for? Do you know? I think she auditioned for Cosette. I think that I mean that's the only one oh, that she going would have up been, against like, Amanda Seyfried. Ooh, that'd be rough. The actress who plays I'm so I can't remember her name, but the actress who plays um, Eponine. Eponine. In the movie version is yeah. really good. Oh, she was good. That um, whole... She reminded me actually. She looked like our cousin Jen to me. <laughs> okay, um, well that means nothing to people. I know, but that means nothing to you. Um, Samantha Barks. Okay, I thank believe. you, Samantha Barks. She's really great in that movie. And if Taylor Swift auditioned against her, I don't know how she could have. Like just on a technical level, that's a Broadway star right there, baby. Yeah, um, well, she was in. She, she was, was in the Broadway. Broadway yeah. She was. Um, I know she did the concert tour. With Nicholas Jonas. Um, now my friends, my friends. Um, but I, it really is a pet peeve of mine because it's never a good song. Yeah. Um, well, I guess they can't say never, but it's usually not a oh, good song. I have one that is perfect. Yeah? It's the best song in the movie. What is Somehow. It? Little Shop of Horrors is my 
favorite movie musical probably ever. Mm-hmm. It's certainly my favorite one that's not animated. Mm-hmm. Um, with apologies to the producers, but the producers is better on stage than it is. Like, just concept-wise, I would rather watch actors do that live than mm. the movie, but I love that movie. Fucking love uh, that movie. I love the producers, just as a... Oh, I love, the love that movie so But anyway, um, the, the, the Little Shop of Horrors movie adds Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, mm-hmm. which was nominated for Best Original Song, didn't win, mm. but they did get Levi Stubbs, who did the voice of the plant from The Four Tops. The, he, he went to the Oscars to perform that live. Mm. That was the first... Oscar nominated song to contain real profanity. Really? He says, um, you can keep the thing, keep the it, keep the creature, they don't mean shit. Uh, <laughs> during the little like spoken word breakdown. You know, I don't come from no black lagoon. I'm from past the star. I'm pe- I'm motioning patty cake to Molly while I do this. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it has the word shit in it. He also says balls. Oh. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. I, anyway. That's, so that's, you say that one's a good one. I see, I that's like. That's the best song in the movie. Okay. In I'm, either version. I'm going to disagree with the I, exception I love of I'm Your Dentist performed by Steve Martin. It's hilarious. That is the best version of that song, though. Yes. I'm Your Dentist is a song that almost doesn't make sense to me the way it's done on stage because yeah. the movie uh, version uh, is uh, so much better. Unless it's Steve Martin, it's not working. Because he plays it like Elvis. Yeah. Everyone else who plays that role affects a confusing character to me. Like, first of all, it's the movie version is better if only because it has the, oh, mama. Love that. Love that, Love that shit. Steve Martin original. The little shrine to his mommy. Oh, Little Shop of Hearts is so perfect. Um, there's a great story, Frank Oz, who directed that movie and of course was a Muppet performer for a long time. There's a great story about him directing that movie where he had this little cassette like recorder with him listening to the songs and he's on the empty soundstage where they're going to build the set. And as he's listening to it, kind of he's choreographing the movie because he's with the set designer and he's like, okay, so he pulls him on the motorcycle and then we have this little chunk of street. He's going to enter the building. And as he's listening to the song, he's like, so this area of the dentist office needs to be about this long because this part of the song goes on this long and it takes me this long to walk across the room so they're they're building a set around, around the, the choreography to the song which is incredible because in a modern movie musical um they don't so much as get the actor to sing. They don't you know give what a I mean? shit. Like... They don't bother to check if the actor can sing before they cast them or they don't like... Or they make them sing in a way that they can't and oh, auto-tune they, it, fuck it up. They really make them sing live on set, which is stupid. Anyway, um, but the Mean yeah. Green Mother from Outer Space, the director's cut of Little Shop of Horrors, which is the only version you should watch because the original theatrical version is whatever. But the director's cut of Little Shop of Horrors don't feed the plants which is the finale of the show and the movie Mm -hmm. it might win because in the director's cut Mm -hmm. since the director's cut was only for the video version right it's not edited down carefully Mm -hmm. it's just like this is everything we shot for the original ending it goes on for about 15 minutes oh and it's i mean obviously parts of it are like musical vamps and stuff it's not constant singing but that sequence Mm -hmm. is the last 15 minutes of the film it's gorgeous it's beautiful it's the best thing i've ever seen but Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is a lot more fun to listen to. <laughs> we, we're, this is one last thing before we move on. We keep saying that. Oh, But well, well. Mean Green Mother from Outer Space has like weird different lyric changes. The mm-hmm. version in the movie, um, he sings, I've got, when he, it's also during that like spoken word part, he goes, um, I got, I got something 
I got chills. I got chills. <laughs> multiply. Also an original song for a movie musical. Um, but half the songs in Greece, the movie, are we'll original. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there, guys. So uh, the the Little Shop of Horrors musical, they go, uh, he says something like, I got garden buds, major stems, I got nasty thorns, and I'm using them. But the version on the soundtrack is different. It's like, I got... Um, now, I shouldn't be talking about this without having checked what the lyrics are. But it's they're just slightly different on the soundtrack version um, for no real reason. Anyway. Well, so this is – I'm just, just going to say this while you're figuring out what you're trying to say there. Thank you. Um, the One of the examples of a credit song that is added that I personally like to a movie musical is the producers. There's nothing like a show on Broadway that they – that's added, right? 100%. What was that? There's nothing like a show on Broadway. That was written for the movie. Yeah. I think that works perfectly because it's a song sung by the cast in character. It is you know? also funny that that song is inherently about how like movies yeah. aren't as good as the Broadway show. And like what a self-conscious thing to I add into it. the- I love it. I love it. It's a bit. And if you're going to yeah. add a song to try to get the original song crap. Movies drag. They're ending sag. TV's just a bore. Sorry. Um, um Oh, but so the lyrics, the version on the version on the recording that you like would listen to on Spotify is I got one style. I got major moves. I got the stuff. And I think that proves you better move it out. Nature calls. You got the point. I'm going to bust your balls. They still say balls in the movie. So it's not like it's for censorship reasons. But in the movie, the lyric is just something about like I got nasty thorns is the is the change lyric. I'm not really sure why. Um <laughs> But that song, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, is great. But a lot of the lyrics and the ideas are from a song that was cut from the original show. The original show had this song called Bad, mm. where the plant sings about how he's bad. It would have gone in the same place in the show where Mean Green Mother is in the movie. It's just boring. It's just really slow. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, but it has a lot of the same things about like, well, the other day I met the bride of Frankenstein. She's got a temper well. She ain't got my like. It's just a really, a lot of the good lyrics from Mean Green Mother are like reworked from that, mm -hmm. which goes to show. Never throw out an idea, kids. Mm -mm. You, you never know when you're gonna need it. Mean Green Mother's such a good song. I'm done rambling about it. I swear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> musicals. I'm trying to think. So Greece, real quick. Yeah. Greece, not an Oscar ploy. No. They genuinely replaced half the soundtrack of the stage show for the movie, to the point where, the, the okay so. Just quickly, all the songs in the movie Grease. So, well, we need to talk to you about the the stage show of Grease first. We I need like. to talk about. I hate that on Twitter when people go like, "We, we need, need to, to talk, talk about." Yeah. There's a documentary out now called "We Need to Talk About Cosby," but that's that's something we do need to talk about. So, <laughs> I, I think that's fine. If we need to actually talk about it, no. But so, Grease the musical, as it first existed, is not Grease the musical that you are likely to see anywhere yeah. today. I prefer the original because it's a wacky sex romp. It's Grease the musical that you would probably see today is is usually fucking Grease the movie. It's, but yeah. it's, it's a combo between Grease the movie and some version of Grease the stage show. Depending on where you see it, sometimes it will literally just be the movie. Yeah. Um, no so, Oscar nominations for the Grease movie. Just a couple Golden Globes. And you know what? No Oscar nominations for Grease 2 either. Danny, that's, I'm deciding now. I Our watched, next episode is Grease 2. That's fine. I watched Airplane 2 the other day for the first time. Ooh, horrible. 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 And insults the original. Written and directed by the man who wrote Grease 2. That makes he worked, more sense than anything I've ever heard in my entire life. He worked at Paramount at the time, and they were like, 
you know, we can't get the Grease people to do a sequel. Will you do it? And he's like, okay. And then they were like, we can't get the airplane people to do a sequel. And he was like, well, I did you the favor of writing Grease 2. Let me direct Airplane 2. Mm. There's a- he made some great decisions. Gosh, what Do you guy. know, Danny, that they were supposed to make a Grease, a third Grease sequel, and it never came out. I know they were going to do a TV show. They were going to do a third one. Yeah. Um, and Olivia and john said that she knew they were writing it, but she hadn't seen anything. That was in 2003. We never heard of it again. I believe 2008, don't quote me on it, yeah. they were going to do it. It was announced again. We're doing another oh, one. Yeah, different. And they didn't. And then in 2019, oh, right before this pandemic, baby, they announced the Grease prequel, Summer Lovin'. The thing we're all waiting for. That's Paramount, Paramount baby. I can guarantee you coming to Paramount Plus, Summer Lovin'. Oh, God. The prequel of fucking Grease. The problem is, how are they going to get Olivia Newton John and John Travolta, their, their old, old bodies in that? Because you, you know they want to do you it. You know they want to do it. They, you know that the two of them have phone calls where they just go, like, remember Grease? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be oh, fucking sure teachers and they'll give a little nod, no, lower the glasses. It should open with the opening of When Harry Met Sally where they're old <laughs> and they're being interviewed about like, how did you two meet? <laughs> well, we were summer loving, isn't it right? Then they so go, yeah, I don't remember. I, can't I don't do remember anything either. after our car crashed and flew off into fucking space. That's, okay, real quick. The original end of Greece, because Greece was a wacky sex comedy where nothing mattered and nothing was serious which is way better it was like a body musical review they did in chicago before broadway it was like a wacky just nothing matters it's all a joke the original ending was we go back to the high school reunion because greece the musical opens with the you know welcome to the 10-year high school reunion class of 1959 yep you know and then they say like so then at the end of the musical we return to that framing device mm -hmm. And they say, like, by the way, Danny Zuko crashed his fucking car on Dead Man's Curve. He's fucking dead. So sandy. They both <laughs> crashed their car. They're dead idiots. Kanicki died of an overdose. Like, just whatever. You know, yeah. like, they're just like, yeah, all these people are fucking burnout losers. Musical's over. We'll always be together. Chaggedy In chang, hell. Uh <laughs> oh, Molly. But, um, so real quick, the movie version of Grease. Mm -hmm. Why I don't like it as much as I like the play. Because the movie version of Grease takes a lot of the funny songs and replaces them with just kind of serious 70s songs that cover the same plot point. Yeah. So the best example would be the song Sandy. Sandy. No, no. Oh, I was just going to say Sandy. You like, know Sandy is my favorite song in Greece. I think that's the correct choice. Sandy. Okay. So the plot is roughly the same. Danny and Sandy go to the drive-in. He, he uh, gropes her. She breaks up with him. In the musical, he sings a song called Stranded at the Drive-In. That's Alone at the Drive-In. No. Oh, yes, it's Alone. I'm sorry. The I'll, lyrics I'll explain why. Yeah, yeah, it gets confusing. So he sings a song called Alone at the Drive-In. It's really goofy. It's a goofy song. I'm all alone at the drive-in movie. We get some movie jokes At in one song. point, he does a werewolf noise because yeah. he's watching a uh, like a B movie. So he goes like, oh, because he's sad. It's a it's a goofy song yeah. that covers the sad quote unquote sad part of the story mm -hmm. where it's just like it's a goofy song, but in the movie they have replaced this with a pretty serious love yeah. ballad. So, like it's just an actual romantic song called Sandy, but it also it opens with the lyric "Stranded at the Drive-In, yeah. branded, branded a, fool. a fool." What will they say, say Monday at school? school? Which is now, a good lyric. It's a good lyric. It, yeah. Now I will make the argument for this song because yeah. I love Sandy more than anything. I think. Since it was written for the movie, knowing John Travolta was going to be singing it, it was meant to be a goofy song because the way he sings that song Sandy. is hilarious. I sit 
and but, wonder. Like, you can't take that seriously. But everyone who does the performance since then in any type of musical yeah. is not John Travolta. No. They don't sound like that. The song's too serious, but it so it's it's a it becomes a serious sad song instead of a funny sad song. But then it also does this thing where I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. It doesn't sound as 50s-ish as Grease is supposed to sound. And the there's a couple of them where they, because those new songs written for the movie were written in 1978, they seem to have forgotten that it's a 50s musical. So, like, the song Grease is performed by Frankie Valli. You can't get more 50s than Frankie Valli. But think about the song Grease as the word. First of all, it, I don't think in the 50s people were using it's the word yeah. that much. Maybe bird is the word? Bird, bird, bird. Yeah, but that bird doesn't sound like Grease. Grease is the word is a distinctly 70s yeah. sounding song. It's But that's because it's supposed to be taking place in the musical, at least, when they redo this all for all the fucking shit. Right, but all the, there's no Rydell High reunion in the movie. No, there's not, but they're, you're, the you're watching opening could, animation. The animation is of them in the 50s. But it also is like the most 70s well, yeah. looking Yeah, So animation. in the musical, the re- re- the redoing version of the musical. They have added. They have added that song. It's taking place in the beginning, yeah. which is but, um in the 70s. But anyway, Molly, anyway, what I'm saying is that the new songs they added don't sound like they're from the 50s. I would argue that Sandy does. So and I feel like that's weird. That Sandy's the closest because it has kind of that. Why, why, why. Yeah. That's kind of 50s. But do, 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 it doesn't sound nearly as 50s. You're singing the Doug theme song. You no, that was do 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 do. Yeah, that's, you're, you're doing the same thing. No, it's not. You're useless. Anyway, so, but like, okay, so real quick, just all the songs in the movie. Yeah, let's go through it. Uh, we open with Summer Nights from the musical, presented relatively the same. It's still comedy. It, it, that's pretty much the same. Nights. Right? Then we've got Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. It's in a different place, but, but, it's but it works. Very 50s. It, it, mm-hmm. You wouldn't pull that with a net. No. Uh, then we have the first one that's written for the movie, Hopelessly Devoted to You. I do not care for the song Hopelessly Devoted to You. Not the whiny guitar, it, it it feels very 70s. Olivia Newton-John's a great performer, but I'll take Xanadu over Hopelessly Devoted to You any day. It's just boring and it doesn't make sense because she. It, it's... Honestly, like plot point wise, hopelessly devoted to you doesn't make sense. No, but also in the musical, there's a song called um, Raining on Prom Night. Yeah. Which, again, they're in different places in the story, but because it they're not at the prom the, yet. Like, they're the song, same. They're kinda. the same thing. It's the Sandy is kind of sad because she's alone and Danny is with someone else yeah. song. In the stage show, Raining on Prom Night is kind of funny. Yeah, because it's raining on prom night yes. and it's dramatic. It's like it has a spoken word part. Yeah, like sm- spoken word poem. I'm watching my corsage go down the drain. Or yeah, whatever. The, it's the, yeah. I I don't even have my corsage. Oh geez, it yes. fell down the sewer with my sister's ID. It's great. They're jokes, um, you know, and they sound like they're from the fifties. And they sound like whereas from the 50s. hopelessly devoted to you is the most seventies slow adult contemporary. Yeah, and anyway. it's kind of boring. And again, like so, the for anyone who doesn't know, the plot of Grease the movie is also completely different from the musical. It's it's the um, same idea. It's but just like, like Sandy doesn't go to the dance in the musical because it's raining on prom night. She's sad. She's alone. Yeah. And um, in the movie, her and Danny go to the dance together. It like completely. It's just, it's it's just, just different. It's needlessly rearranged and none of it matters. Uh, but anyway, because the plot of Grease in the musical doesn't matter anyway. No. It's just an excuse to do the song. So anyway, real quick. Hopelessly devoted to you. 
Uh, then we have Greased Lightning, which is the same, but Danny but sings it sing, instead of Canadian. Different. It doesn't matter. But it's the same. It's 50s. They're, you know, whatever. Um, Beauty School Dropout is probably the best translation of yeah. what the show is, where it's like nothing matters. This is goofy. It's a 50s parody. That's mm-hmm. the best translation from movie to from the play to the movie. The drastic cutting of Freddie My Love is cruel. Freddie My Love is a great song. Um, and Megan Mullally kills it in the revival. Uh, Born to Hand Jive, that's the same. They do sing some songs from the musical in the background of the dance. Which is a little bit of bullshit if An you Easter egg. Me. Well, like Mooning, right? I they love Mooning. That yeah. That's a I hate form that in the background. I spend my day. Yeah, I don't need to ever hear Mooning again. But anyway. Just mooning. Oh, you're still going. Still going. So sad. So grace. Um, um, and then real quick, let's just get through this. So Sandy is written for the movie. It replaces the the drive-in movie mm-hmm. song. Uh, then they sing There Are Worse Things I Could Do. That's the same. They do a reprise of Look At Me, I'm Sandra Day. The big change, they do We Go Together, which is also in the musical. They add the chipmunks at the end, but I guess that's <laughs> fine. The chang, 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 the chip. They add that it's in the, it. It's the um, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. Yeah, but the... The big change is the finale. Mm-hmm. The finale in the musical is a song called All uh, All Choked Up, which is a 50s, you know, it's like Elvis is all shook up. Mm-hmm. It's a 50s love song. In the movie, they sing this wretched, wretched song that has become a staple of karaoke night. <laughs> You're the one that I want. There, This song... It wouldn't have been made in the 50s. It's no longer, oh, this sounds 70s. It is now like, this is anachronistic. Yeah, it it feels like it's out of time. It's They're yodeling at this shit. And it's like, what are you doing? This sucks. Now, All Choked Up is not a great song by any stretch of the imagination. But they're like kind of like the same like beat, the little like do, 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 do. It's similar. Mm-hmm. But you're the one that I want just fucking blows. I, hate I that love song. you're the one that I want. I can't I'm gonna stand disagree it. with you on that. That's I fine. like it. I agree that it doesn't belong there. But, but also, I like the song. It also has the thing of it's no longer funny. Yeah. Like I've got chills that well, multiplying is funny to it. me. It's only funny because John yeah. Travolta's performing it. Because him saying it's electrifying yes. is hilarious. But that's not a joke. No, no. It's just he's it's a weird guy. It's just John Travolta. Yes. But like you see what I mean? That like it would be like if they made a movie of Little Shop of Horrors and they took out Somewhere That's Green, which is the sad I want song. Yeah. Where she and I made this analogy the other day. I'm not this is not a coming up with this on the fly because I struggled really hard to think of a good example. But like Little Shop of Horrors is a musical where the music is kind of sarcastic in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's also a 50s parody of of that same genre. So it would be like if they took somewhere that's green and replaced it with like a song that is actually sad and is instead of singing about like my kids watch howdy doody, you know, as the sun sets in the east, like instead of that, it they she was just singing a song about like I'm in a real abusive relationship with a man who hurts me and I wish I lived anywhere but here. It's if you will um taking Batman who was the Adam West, you know, and then sure. making him Christian Bale. I it's not that extreme. It's, like, I just mean that it's, it's a little extreme. No, because that's an alternative interpretation of the same thing. This is missing the point because Greece is still a comedy. I was just trying to give an example for the people who don't know Little Shop of Horrors inside and out. Okay, so fine. Uh, It would be like if you took the producers 
I don't know. Like, what's our, what are the famous musical comedies that everyone knows, Molly? Nobody cares about any of this. Nobody cares about Greece. Everyone cares about Greece. Greece is a beloved classic. Greece is the word. Greece is the fucking word, Danny. I love Greece. I love Greece the musical. I love Greece the the redo musical, and I love Greece the in between musical. I'll take the nineties um, one where they do the funny reprise of um of Grease Lightning where Rizzo comes out and she just makes fun of the guys for sucking. Yeah, I like that. that's pretty good. Uh, real quick, do you want to go back to the Oscar songs now or you got more to say um, I just wanted to say in regards to movie musicals um, yes. that this is common where I guess we kind of think that movies, that musicals can't translate to, this, to the screen. Um, which I agree with. Which can be true and cannot be true. It can be taught. Um, it can be done. And it. I don't think it needs to be done by just completely rewriting the musical at that point. Make a new one because it's not like, like with Grease, it's not like they couldn't have just done that. Like you made an entirely new musical because right. we've got a million musicals about high school. we got a million movies about high school. Nobody was going to care if you kind of tweaked it and turned it into Footloose or something. Like, yeah. you know. Can um, I? So I would have just yeah. rather they made something new, but I, I do like Grease. Okay. Thank you. I, I just, I'm not a Grease head in general. Danny ab- abhorred being in Grease. I was in Grease as a kid. I didn't like it. I um, was in Grease and I loved it. But I just, I'm not a huge fan. Anyway, um, real quick, Randy Newman, Yeah. because we were talking about the Oscar nominated songs. Randy yeah. Newman has been nominated for 22 Academy Awards. My God. How many has he won? He's, he's won two. Two out of 22. That means 20 times he's gone to the Oscars and gone like, well, okay. And guess what the first one he won was? What? The 2002, if I didn't have you. The, I thought you said 2001. Uh, it's the, so confusing because the 2002 yeah, Oscars, Yeah, you host yes. the awards yeah, for 2001 so, into so, that. It's like fucking cars when they say like, get it's the 2020 like Chevy yeah. in 2019. It's but so he also won in 2011 for yeah. the song from Toy Story 3 called We Belong Together, which I love and which Toy Story 4 completely ignores that that's the theme of Toy okay, Story 3. Okay, we're not getting whatever. into the Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4 debate. That's too much for this, but I will say... Not necessarily memorable, memorable enough for me to think that that would be his we second win. Of all the things he's written, together. you wouldn't think that that would be the other one. Toy he Story has the Oscar Three for. is also not the best Toy Story movie, but they nominated it for Best Picture because it was like, well, we're we're celebrating these while we have them. Yeah, and what what was it up against? Do you know for Best Picture? Yeah, I don't know. I know it didn't win. Uh, See, that's my thing. Is so like when it comes to animated movies and the Oscars, it's so weird because it's like. Sometimes there could be two movies in a category. Sometimes, like sometimes, there's no movies that came out that year, so they they really you know can slide by easily. Right. Um, yeah. it, but you know, my my oh. biggest pet peeve is that um, musicals and comedies always get put in the same category because like you can't compare a comedic performance mm-hmm. and like a Les Mis. They're not the same. No, thing. which is why the I think the Golden Globes is nominated is musical comedy, musical or comedy, and then dramatic performance. Real quick. Um, you were asking about the Toy Story 3 yeah. Oscar nomination for Best uh, best Film. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was up against, here's the list, 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, mm-hmm. The Kids Are Alright, The Social Network, True Grit, Winter's Bone, and uh, the winner, The King's Speech. Now, that is a list of some pretty good movies. Also, like memorable movies where like yeah. I can tell you the Don't you feel like all of those won the Oscar? Kind of. Like <laughs> it, I feel like but also like the that was a year where Did I feel the King's like King's Speech win. Yes. King's Speech yeah. won Best Picture. Um and oh, they re-released it. The whole point of the movie is that he gets over his stutter by swearing and they re once it won the Oscar, they re-released it a PG thirteen version <laughs> where he says the one fuck and then they dub over the rest of them with shit. <laughs> 
Anyway, so um, the King's Speech. Also, it won Best Picture because Harvey Weinstein pushed aggressively for the pre-considering campaign. Anyway, uh, so, but like, I feel like this specific year of movies mm -hmm. was extensively parodied. I feel like yeah. every show had a Black Swan, Inception, uh, and The Social Network. And 127 And 127 hours. All four of those were like, Really, is this 2010? This feels very 2010. 2010. Yeah, yeah. And then 2011, the artist won best. Well, picture. one of my favorite bits of all time is Jim Carrey on SNL as the Black Swan. Once you go Black Swan, once you, you go Black go Swan, you never go Black Swan. That's right. Um, never forget. Um, yeah. I mean, see, see, here's the thing that bothers me, I guess, about the Oscars is that we have animated movies that can be nominated for best picture, and yeah. then we have best animated movie. Well, here's what bothers me is that. Um, that's only ever happened three times. And I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm looking at the list of best picture winners. And in a lot of these years, a, there's there's a better cartoon. Well, yeah. So I'm like, why have like, I guess you want to recognize the animated category. But like, it's weird to think like, you know, you'd have Beauty and the Beast winning best animated feature and like best yeah. picture. But the difference is that at the time when Beauty and the Beast was nominated for best picture, there was no best I know. Animated. So now I feel like they did that just so that animated movies don't win. They did that so animated movies win something. But what's remarkable about the other two films, mm -hmm. uh, which Toy Story 3 and Up were the other two movies nominated for best, animated, uh, best feature, mm -hmm. despite being animated, they both were nominated after that category existed. Yeah. And for a while, and they're right in a row because it's 2009 yeah. and 2011. It looked like the Academy could still like get off their ass and recognize animation was important. And now every year, every year, they send a celebrity who has done a voice in a cartoon movie. Yes. They send them out and say, animation's a cool genre. And the one thing animators don't want is to hear animation called a genre. Because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If you think about it for three seconds, it's like, well, yeah. how is it? They're different. You can make a different genre They're in a different cartoon. Mediums. They're yeah, not, it's a medium. It's, it's not a genre. It's it pisses me off because it's so annoying. Also, like if you think about those three movies, then like I'm sorry, but Oscar-worthy animated films. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast Beautiful. for sure. Up, Beautiful. you know, a lot of people really liked that yeah. it was really dramatic. And Toy Story three, fine, it tugged at the heartstrings. But we're not going to pretend that there's like not a mil million other ones that belong. Iron Giant should have won five Best Picture awards. You're telling me The Lion King. The Lion King is a best picture I, worthy. Film. I don't love The Lion King like that, no, but, but I know the, the world, world does. The world loves it. Like yeah. you're gonna tell me that that wasn't. Nominated. And that's after Beauty and the Beast, so they have no excuse. They have no to. excuse. Real quick, unless Best Animated Feature was already an award by then. It wasn't. Best Animated Feature was created in 2001. The first movie to win was Shrek. It beat Monsters Inc. and Jimmy Neutron, which were the only other two nominees that year. Yeah, you mean to tell me. That Shrek. That Shrek shouldn't have been nominated for best fucking picture. Oh, well, uh, I'm just kidding. Shrek I'm just two, kidding. Best picture. I'm just kidding. Um, Shrek, Shrek 2 is an easy best picture. <laughs> um, in no, our house. Real quick, Beauty and the Beast. Um, this sucks to admit, but it is the it is probably the second best movie on the list. Beauty and the Beast is my favorite animated movie. Uh, but it is pro I get why it lost, because it was Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, who gives a shit, JFK, overhyped. The mm -hmm. Prince of Tides. Gag me with a spoon. Uh, but it lost to Silence of the Lambs. So as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh, okay. But this is why I like, hate <laughs> just like, well, award okay. things because it's like, how do you compare? How do you compare the beautiful animation yeah. of that and then like a terrifying performance by Anthony Hopkins but and also a stunning performance by um, Jodie Foster. Foster. Yeah, but the thing is that Silence of the Lambs, it's like, 
I'm glad a horror movie won Best Picture, though, because it's yeah. like, horror movies don't win Best Picture. I know that it's a But that's prestige. like the most serious sure. horror movie. But like, you see a guy's face ripped off. Like, it's yeah. a horror movie for sure. Anyway, um, uh, I, I we've been talking for quite a while. We've been talking a long time. Real quick, when Gandhi beat E.T. for Best Picture, that's mm-hmm. when I knew there was no God. And that was in 1982. So, so I before I was out the born. Womb. So, I came out the womb screaming. Oh, but oh, real quick, okay. real quick. Sorry. So Steven Spielberg. Uh-huh. His name means movie director. If you're trying to insult someone for making a movie, you go, oh, yeah. Mr. Spielberg, excuse me. That's what his name means. He is, however, a a pop artist. He's a mm-hmm. he's a pop culture artist. He doesn't make the Oscar-y type of movie that often. Every once in a while, he'll do a Schindler's List. And Schindler's List was what won him Best Director. But Schindler's List also came out in like the 90s. So, you know. Yeah. I, and also, I don't think it won Best Picture. I'm trying to. Oh, no, it did. 93. It also won Best Picture. But it won Best Director for him, which was mm-hmm. a big deal. And Saving Private Ryan. So, two very dramatic, serious films are the only times he's ever won mm-hmm. uh, Best Director. There was a real anti Spielberg thing at the Academy. Um, because it's like, oh, well, he's not a real, or he's not like, like Coppola, like the Godfather, that's a real director. Spielberg's like a pop because his first big movie is Jaws. Well, this is what Trey and Matt were talking about, about yeah. the Oscars being so They're up their own gibberish. ass. Like here we have the greatest filmmaker, like undoubtedly, like I'm not saying he's the best. I'm saying yeah. he's the greatest as in like, yes, Martin Scorsese might be a better director. Francis Ford Coppola might be a better director, but like- you, He's you the cannot movie compare director. the first of all the percentage yeah. the number the number of good movies Steven Spielberg has made just good not mm-hmm. including the great ones outnumbers like every other director it is insane how many movies Steven Spielberg has made it is insane how many of them are good and great like the color purple is a movie you forget Steven Spielberg made if any other director did the color purple that would be their big movie well that's what I was you know but I also almost feel the opposite with Steven Spielberg right yeah. so when you talk about a Scorsese film. You will talk about Scorsese. I'm not going to say you're sure. not, but I feel like the actors' performances are often what's praised. Whereas with a Spielberg movie, like you no one talks about noticing. the acting in ET. Nobody talks about the acting in Jaws. I mean, the acting in Jaws is great. Not nobody, but you know what I, I mean. Love like Dreyfus. Spielberg is what associated with yeah. that. You're not like saying you know all they are the, Steven the Spielberg movies. movies. Yeah, yeah. It's, you care more about him than the actor. See, it's a Steven Spielberg film. It's a Marty Scorsese picture. <laughs> That's I'm not kidding. On the poster, it says a yeah. Martin Scorsese picture. Um, but real quick, so the Spielberg thing. There's like this from the beginning. So mm-hmm. Jaws was nominated for Best Picture. It couldn't mm-hmm. not be. It was the it was the first blockbuster movie. <laughs> How could you not nominate it for something? But there's this video. It's kind of sad. There's this video, 1975, where they're, it's the day the Oscar nominations are being announced. Steven Spielberg is mm-hmm. in a room watching TV with a couple of people sitting around. Like one guy showed up in a tux as like a teehee. You're going to, you directed the first blockbuster movie. There's no mm-hmm. way they're not going to nominate you. And they go, best picture, blah, 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 and Jaws. And he goes, oh, okay. And they go, best director. And his name is not on the list. And he goes, ah, no, I lost to Fellini. And it's like, well, you can't, he's like, I can't be mad. Like, (laughs) they didn't nominate me because they nominated a bunch of good directors. It's fine. He's like, he's trying to take it on the chin, but you can tell he's mad, like inside, like he's dead. But then like the camera pans over to the guy in the tuxedo and he's like, oh, oh, best picture. Who made the best picture? Who directed that movie? Why don't you tell me? And it's like. 
the guy's joking to make his friend feel better, but it's like, no, seriously. Seriously. I don't understand and how then, But, we... you know, so it's anti-Semitism would be my my, my comment there. Oh, really? Yeah. All and right. and because I... it goes right along with, with feminism, when you have the best picture that's directed by a woman and nominated, then, yeah. and then the woman isn't nominated for best director. That does happen. But, like... <sighs> I would, I'm not going to go ahead and label it anti-Semitism out the gate. I'm not going to say that inherently, but I am just going to say that Steven Spielberg then goes on to make a zillion great movies. And so many of them are on this list of like nominated for best picture, right? No, you know what? No, now I want to know. Yeah. Find me the best directors lists. Oh, the list of best directors. Uh, but just real quick, I just want to say that mm -hmm. um, Michael Douglas does have an Oscar uh, but it is for producing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. Um, but also, he did win once for acting. Mm -hmm. He won for um, uh, Best Actor for Wall Street. I just wanted to say that real quick. Mm -hmm. um, but so, real quick, just w while we're on the list of the the best pictures, right? Best best picture of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go from Jaws. Okay, okay, so Jaws is nominated. Uh, after that, the next... It it's so weird to me that Star Wars didn't win Best Picture, but Annie Hall did. Fuck you. The Academy sucks. Like that's just objectively, there was one important movie <laughs> that year, and it's not Annie Fucking Hall. Uh, Annie Hall sucks, and Woody Allen's a jerk. Anyway, so uh, after Jaws, right? What year was Jaws again? Nineteen seventy-five. Okay. So I'm just quickly looking through the list of uh, Best Picture nominees. The next time he's nominated is in nineteen eighty-one. Raiders of the Lost Ark nominated for Best Picture. Um, All right, well, well, you know, that was- Doesn't win. Loses to Chariots of Fire. Real quick, in the mm -hmm. history of cinema, what's more important? Raiders of the Lost Ark or Chariots of Fire, a movie I don't know the premise of and I can't remember what the fuck it's about. Fuck you. The next year, E.T. loses to Gandhi? Eat a eat a eat a eat a box of it. Eat a box of it, you absolute cracker. The color purple, nineteen eighty five, also nominated. Loses to Out of Africa. Okay, <laughs> now don't get me wrong. Uh, 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 you know, Out of Africa. That's a Sidney Pollock movie. It's a big deal, but it's like the color purple's right there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I just I'm reading through the list. I'm sorry. Um. Next time, let's see. I might be missing one or two because there's a lot of Spielberg movies and I'm trying to go fast. I don't know. The point is, um, a lot of them, a lot of them. Like he's, so many of these are up for fucking best picture and then he doesn't win until Schindler's List. And it's Now, like, if you're going to win, it does make sense you're going to win for Schindler's List. Yeah, but that's because that's what the Academy wants and they reward a very specific kind of thing. And here we have a guy who's such a... Uh, a big deal in the filmmaking world that he redefines what a respected movie is. Mm. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark is intentionally based on crummy movie serials, you know, like the cheapest, lamest, corniest entertainment, but it is a great movie. It is respected. It is what defines what we like about movies in a way, because now they'll all be compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark forever. That's true. And rather than the Academy ever going, oh, well, maybe now that the world is changing, we should think about why we nominate certain things. They always just go, no, nope, we'll give it to a costume drama. 
No, we'll give it to a thing where a white guy plays an Asian. No, we'll give it to a, a movie where an actor pretends to be disabled because that's what they like. They like costume dramas. They like an actor transforming their body. Like, it's so annoying. I don't know. I don't know. I hate it. I all hate right. it. I, I should. Let me clarify. I'm going something, to the Oscar All right. Thing. Because. All right. So I'm looking at the list of best directors here. So I guess I can't claim that Spielberg was, you know, I've not plenty given of Jewish it people because there's actually a lot of best directors who um, were Jewish that won. But yeah. I will say Spielberg's last name does sound a lot more Jewish than a lot of their names. That is true. There, it's a weird double standard in Hollywood because. There are the the old anti-Semitic rumor that the Jews run the media. Yeah. Um, there is this there is a disproportionate amount of Jewish people in the entertainment industry to other industries in the world. I mean, Jewish people only make up like two percent of the population of the world, and yet there are so many famous is Jewish really people. That's yeah, that's in terms of people who like identify as oh, Jewish, Jewish. Okay, in a, okay. like a, like in a census type thing. Okay, okay. Um, that's not the religion because yeah. like you and I would qualify as as Jewish, but we're not practicing. We don't observe. We probably wouldn't even write that on the census. I would because I'm proud of my heritage. Well, I feel like I don't know. I don't know how detailed this. this well, census it depends is, on the. <laughs> it depends because like the old tradition that we always talk about is like you go according to your mother, and our our mom is the yeah, Jewish. Yeah, no, like one, we're Jewish. Like, I'm just saying, like yeah. I feel like it's gonna. I don't well, know. Well, ethnically, where to ask that. you don't you don't write. I don't mean the census. Oh, okay. I mean, like I poll. I don't know what you're. I meant a census. I just meant a poll. A the poll. census doesn't ask. I don't think I've never been religion. fucking asked anything. Is all I know. So okay. I don't know well, who anyway, all these surveys are getting. You and I are Jewish people, but like in this, not in the religious sense. In the sense of like we are. <clears throat> Heritage-wise, we're Jewish. But uh, uh, certainly we don't, you know, our name is not Schwartz, which no, was our, our, name our family name. our name is actually German. Yeah, Holt, Holt. which is... Uh, which is, from what I was reading about these best directors, a lot of their last names were from the other parents' side, it sounds well, like. Yes, but that's the thing is like, well, that's what I was saying, was that there yeah. is a disproportionate amount of Jewish, famous Jewish people, mm-hmm. which is just an interesting phenomenon. It doesn't mean the Jews run the world. That's a weird conspiracy theory. If the Jews ran the world, I don't think we would have had Nazis. I'm just going to put that out yeah. there. That's always the weirdest conspiracy theory. Know. Where it's like, you know, the Jews run the world. And it's like, I don't know. It seems to me like they, they have a tough don't. time <laughs> getting things going. But like, there is this double standard in Hollywood where it's like, there's a bunch of Jewish people in the entertainment industry, but they all feel the need to change their name. Yeah. So it's like, there is anti-Semitism in Hollywood. But I'm then just you've got like a Whoopi Goldberg who intentionally took a name to sound Jewish. To sound Jewish. more Jewish, yes. So it, it does go both ways. It's really weird. Um, you know... I don't know. I just, so, I'm just saying yeah. Spielberg's name sounded a little more Jewish than whatever, whatever Stone, yeah. whatever his name is. So, um, Steven Spielberg has won. Oliver Stone. Steven Spielberg has won three Oscars. First of all, that's stupid, right? Steven Spielberg, the guy who makes the movies, the guy who makes the movies, Steven Spielberg, the guy whose name means film director to the world at large, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because the Academy has their biases and they look down their nose at popular things because they're idiots. Like, I'm sorry, you run the movie awards. You don't run the literature and arts well, you and run opera the movie awards. awards. Like, why wouldn't the most popular movie, like, why wouldn't that matter to you? Why is it always something like the well, fucking... Well, we're going to give Transformers the Revenge artist, of the Fallen. Yeah, the artist was real popular. Excuse me, I like the artist. That was a good movie. Midnight in Paris? That was real popular. Midnight in Paris can go to hell. Uh, like, um, you know what I mean? It's always like, the, like sure, there's so many, like, yeah. stupid movies when it's like, you're going to pretend that more people didn't see fucking... 
the hangover like not that i'm saying the hangover should be nominated for an oscar it should not. let me be clear it should not be nominated for an oscar but like you know what i mean yeah. like those are more popular and then what what are we basing this on then what the fuck are we it's, basing well, it it's on it's not popular it's supposed to be some weird metric of like this is just a film we want to recognize with an award but why do you only ever want to recognize these costume dramas? Why are the only movies about black people that get nominated the slavery movies or the civil rights movies? Why is it never Why just like... Why is it only things that are about what really happened? What about imagination? Creativity? That is a funny thing about the Academy is that like you can do anything with film, but we're mostly going to give these awards to true stories or sad historical fiction. Why? Why? Anyway, anyway. We were talking about best original song. But Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg only has three Oscars and two of them are just for the same movie on the technicality kind of thing where it's like, well, he's a producer on Schindler's List, so he also gets the best picture. Nah. But anyway, real quick, the the uh, the nominations we've got one, two, three, four, seventeen. Seventeen nominations for Steven Spielberg. That's less than Randy Newman. Okay, don't come at Randy Newman like that though. No, Randy Newman's great, but Steven Spielberg should have more Oscar nominations than Randy Newman. Should he though? I don't know actually. But like, <laughs> come on, like it's just insane. And then so many of these are Best Picture. But not best director. Yeah, well, that, that I think that's a load of bullshit. But you know, unless like, unless like let's say like something like honestly, to, honestly, like a movie musical, like yeah. you know, that takes special direction. That takes special direction, and sometimes the directors fuck it up. So like it well, might yeah. be a good story, but I don't like what you did with it. Sure, <clears throat> the In the Heights movie. <clears throat> I'm wow, sorry. You're really salty um, about that. But uh, I'm so fucking salty about that. But like you know, it, what about uh, West Side Story? Is Spielberg gonna be uh, nominated for that? Well, it's one of the only ten movies that came out this year. Probably. Um, I, I heard it was great, and I is there an original it. song for the West Side Story movie? I didn't see it yet either. It's on my list to see. I can't imagine the the composers are. I can't imagine they wouldn't. Oh, you, you can't imagine they wouldn't mm-hmm. throw that in. Okay, yeah. let me just see. <laughs> so much Google. How long have we, have we been talking for? Like three hours? I no, nah, we're at like an hour forty. Oh man, it feels like forever, but in a good way. I'm enjoying yeah. our conversation. I see. They took. West Side Story out of the theater near us, but it's back now, so yeah, I don't, maybe I just, I'll just go see it tomorrow. I want to see it. I, I, it was out of our theater. I, I couldn't go, but yeah. I guess I could have. Um, is it streaming anyway? I have no idea. I don't know either. Um, so here we go. Da, 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 da. United States, December 10th, COVID, yada, yada. Despite the critical acclaim, it was a box office bomb, 62 million, budget of 100 million. 100 million's a lot. But I guess when I Steven Spielberg like wants mu- to do movie musical, it's not though. I mean, yeah. Uh, another Yanis Kaminsky uh, cinematography credit. Um, do 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 do. I can't find anything about if there's an original song. One would assume music. Not, let's right? see music. I mean, I'm looking at the list of songs, but I don't have. West Side Story memorized enough. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they added one. I I also think that Hold on. I'm on the soundtrack now. Okay. Incorporating a number of alterations originally made to Bernstein's score. Oh boy, a lot of these. Alongside the soundtrack, reimagined pop covers were produced. Um Yeah, I mean, it looks like, it looks like there's not an original song, but mm. yeah, because even the end credits it says are the end credits. 
Well, I guess because it was already a movie. Yeah, they already know? have a Leonard Bernstein. So was the original movie, wait a minute. This is, it's so weird. This is one of the first, one of the only Spielberg movies that doesn't have John Williams doing the music. Um, which is funny because John Williams won an Oscar for the score to the movie version of Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he wouldn't do it. I Do you think it's because he's just old or do you think he just was busy or something? Because they shot, it's just weird. It's like, because he's doing the next Indiana Jones, so he's not retired or anything. But he's a, he's listed as music consultant for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. But like, when you've already got the music and David Newman's job is to adapt it, it's mm-hmm. like, what is, what is John Williams doing? I don't know. It's so funny that he's doing the next Indiana Jones, but Steven Spielberg is not. Anyway, so now now that you're listening to us read Wikipedia, are you are you guys finally satisfied with the pants are too tight? Is this finally your favorite episode of the show? I know some of you guys have been listening to every episode, but your holdouts and you don't actually like it. Yeah, uh, and you were waiting for us to get more Wikipedia searches in. We look, we were tired and we didn't know what we were going to do coming in. Um, but now you know and we know what we're doing next time, and it is Grease 2. It is Grease 2, and um, we really nailed it, I think. This was our best episode yet. Um, fantastic. 10 out of 10. Um, I will say this, though. Um, the Oscars are a hack with a knack for stealing anything they can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Um, John Williams, have you ever, have you ever win uh, Best Original Song? I'm sure John Williams must have. I don't know, but Best Original Song is such a bullshit category. I'm sorry. Like, if you're just writing a song for the credits, it shouldn't count. You're so angry. This I is, am. This it, is such a nonsense opinion. Th- I don't mean but to But it really... It. Okay, the whole show is about nonsense you're opinions, You're absolutely Danny. wrong. But it bothers me. Like, it really bothers me because especially, like... As a cat, as like a, a technicality. Do you want to hear some more bullshit real quick? Yeah. John Williams nominated for fifty two Academy Awards. That's the right number. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's tied with Walt Disney for the most Oscar nominations, something like that. Fifty two mm-hmm. Academy Award nominations. You don't know how many he's won. Five. Five. Damn, I'm good. Five. He's won five. What is this world? What are we doing? Yeah. Who's doing okay, a better job? Alan Silvestri, maybe not better, but he's a contender. Alan Silvestri is great. Hans Zimmerman, contender. He's great. He's great. But I got to ask him, Ollie. Yeah, 52. You're we, really not. That's not a good batting average, buddy. That's worse than Randy Newman. It's pretty awful. But again, Fiddler on the Roof, the first time he won. Uh, but just I'm just looking at, again, this list of, he did win for Jaws and for Star Wars right in a row. Right, 76. Well, so that was his golden year. Yeah, and 78. Although when Spielberg could. couldn't, John Williams could. But and that's like, the, the, the moral of the story. Uh, did, oh, he also won for E.T. Well... I don't know, you guys. I just... He was nominated for Best Best Original Original Song. Song is really a bullshit category because especially like the fact that like a lot of times it's like, you know, like when Danny and we did that episode about the theme song of a movie, right? Like, it's kind of dumb when like sometimes Best Original Song like isn't even a song like in the movie. I feel like it's got to be a song like performed in the movie or like even if it's not performed in the movie, it's like... Credence is given to the song playing. You know, like, You Got a Friend in Me is not performed in the movie. But it's it it, it's a, but it's a significant moment. I mean, like, it's Woody's like the not... the opening credits. But Woody's not singing it, I mean. Nobody like, you know sings what I mean? it. I want to but... make clear that's not what I mean when I say okay, performed okay, in the I'm movie. Sorry. Like I it's, didn't mean to, yeah. it's just having its own moment. But other times, like, there's songs where it's just like... Like, who, who even knew that was in the movie? I Did you wanna... know that was in the movie? I didn't know that was in the movie. 
there are sometimes you're like, wait, that song's from a movie. Sometimes I've seen the movie. Yeah. Like, why were any of those Emperor New Groove songs, Emperor's New Groove songs, nominated when like they're I not? I didn't even notice that "Beautiful Stranger" by Madonna was in "Spy Who Shagged Me." <laughs> um, real quick, mm-hmm. Home Alone, 1991, Steven Spielberg nominated for best original score. And Steven Spielberg. Uh, John Williams. John Williams <laughs> is not. I've been saying that name so much. John Williams nominated for best original score and best original song. For you know, somewhere in my memory, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but just like it's annoying, it's like you can't tell me whatever else came out that you heard a better score. John Williams, do you know the last time he won an Oscar? Two thousand and six. Best original score, nineteen ninety four. Schindler's List. Damn. Since then, you've been slacking, John. What about Paul? What's Paul up to? How many does he have? Danny's counting. Danny's doing some some hardcore counting. Do you know how many times he's been nominated since he last won? How many? 22. The number of Randy Newman? No, it was 20. Um, no, he was 22. It was two really? out of 22. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, Molly, what are we doing where, where John Williams is 80-something? He's about to die. He's still writing full scores to movies. He didn't win for uh, any of the new Star Wars movies? No, he was nominated for all three of the new Star Wars, didn't win. That's some bullshit. He was before that, The Book Thief, Lincoln, War Horse, The Adventures of Tintin, Munich, Memoirs of a Geisha, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Catch Me If You Can, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, AI, Artificial Intelligence, The The Patriot, Angela's Ashes, Saving Private Ryan, Amistad, Sleepers, Nixon, Sabrina. Do you think they're like, kind of how you were saying that um, that other guy like reuses some of his stuff? Do you think they're like, John, at this point, your Harry Potter it's it's the same. He you only did the Star first Wars, three Harry it's Potters. It's the same. You know what I mean? Like, but he only did the first three Harry Potter. I know, but you, one of them was you named that he didn't win for. I'm just saying he didn't like, win for point. the first or the third. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yes. they might be like John. This is a little bit of the same. Yeah. You're using the same bits Here's in all the, 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 there, the shows. There, there are tons of new themes in all of these. I listen. I don't really like the Force Awakens that much. I think it's How fine. How dare you? It's fine. It's fine. Fantastic movie and the music. I like the Last Jedi. You should have fucking. I like won. the Last Jedi. I like better. the Last Jedi. They're both great. Force Awakens is fine. Here's the thing. Force Awakens is the first new Star Wars, nominated for any of the prequels, which is rude. Because Duel of the Fates, are you fucking kidding? That should be the best score. Exactly. Duel of the Fates is the best score. Whatever. But so, so annoying. So annoying. Okay. Here's the thing. Force Awakens, first Star Wars movie since the prequels. And it's a big franchise and everybody loves it. And clearly it's respectable enough to at least get the nomination. So it's not the Academy won't, you know, the Academy will look at it. They're not going to they're not going to disregard it completely. Could you imagine you've been doing this long running series and you're suddenly tasked with writing new themes for these new characters we've never met before? You've got to do a new theme for Ray, for Finn, for uh, Kylo Ren. And the fact that they're actually memorable and like catchy and they fit in with all the existing themes. So annoying annoying to me that like he pulls off a feat like that at 80 years old and they're like still not worth a win well now we we because that jerk made those violins sound bad in the joker um anyway well we should say that best original song and best original score are different they are yeah Um, i think they know that i just wanted to clarify because score is the music within the movie song is a specific best original song to me is a particular shithole um that sure. gets that that is where the oscar grabbing comes in you're not oscar grabbing for for the best score you're pulling some shit for best original song 
And then you have songs like from fucking Rio 2 that are nominated when they shouldn't be because it's fucking Rio 2 and nobody saw that movie. Yeah, but like that. here's the thing. I disagree with that because maybe a movie kind of sucks, but they wrote a great song for it. Oh, that can absolutely happen. But do you know the song from Rio 2 that won? No. No. Do you know? I mean, that lost. Do you know Man or a Muppet? Yes. Well, yeah, but that one won. I know, but you're I'm just, mad about it. But I'm it just won. saying, like, like, but why is that not? Why was why that are you so nominated? mad, bro? Real quick, I just want to look at what he lost to. Yeah, so Rise of Skywalker. John Williams is like, this is it, my last Star Wars, the last one ever. Lost to Joker because Hildor Gonatadior wrote some bullshit. Also, Randy Newman lost for Marriage Story that same year, but was up against Thomas Newman for 1917. I'm just saying. The Newman family. I don't think Thomas Newman's related, but David Newman is. They are the most Oscar-nominated family in history. Anyway. Really? Yeah. Um, I just, I'm so mad about the Joker one. Like, fuck Joker. That, oh God, is so angry when it doesn't matter. Last Jedi, he lost to Shape of Water. Really? Do you Force know, Awakens, I, he I'm lost to the hateful Danny, So this, you're, you're telling us about John. I'm curious about Paul Williams. How many times has he been nominated? Do you Paul know? Williams? I think he's only been nominated like once or twice. Because to me, Paul Williams definitely has to. Did he win Best Original Song? Because no. if he didn't, Rainbow he Connection didn't win. Well, that's some hot bullshit yeah, right like, there. Yeah, just real quick. If you ever want proof the Academy is nothing, they had Rainbow Connection slip through their fingers. He's nominated but didn't fucking win. Like no. that's just some hot shit. Some hot, hot bullshit. Um, he did win a Grammy and an Academy Award for um, A Star is Born. I do wish you'd stop saying hot bullshit, though. Like that's I, I don't know where the phrase is coming from, but it's in my head now. So he has one best original song. Paul Williams? He has an Oscar? For A Star is Born. Ooh, good for him. Wait, A Star is Born? Yes. Which version? The Barbra Streisand, I think. Oh, uh, okay. That would make sense. Um, he also won the Grammy for that. Um, but Paul Williams, I would like to see him get some love. Some yeah. more love than he's gotten because he moves us all quite dearly. I do love him. And um, yeah, he's just. Oh, yeah, the Barbara Streisand version. You're right. Can you just, can you believe that something, what beat out Rainbow Connection that year? I need to know. I need to fucking know what song they were like, this is better. This is better. What? What year was that, Danny? I don't even know. I'm I'm just. You're so mad. I'm so mad. It lost to Bob Fawcett. Oh, uh, Muppet Movie Score lost to all that jazz. Rainbow Connection nominated for Best Original Song. It uh, it goes like it goes from Norma Ray beat Rainbow Connection. Have you ever heard it goes like That's it goes? That's what I'm goes? saying. Do they even sing that in Norma Ray? I don't remember any singing in Norma Ray. I don't remember a song in Norma Ray, but I fucking remember the Rainbow Connection. Uh, but Molly, the Academy is famously wrong about everything. They suck. They absolutely suck. 52 Oscar nominations. What the fuck? God, poor... Fucking fuck. John Williams. I... Danny, the song you're playing out over is that song, so we can From hear Norma Ray. what hot garbage that is. All right, ladies and gentlemen... I hope you've had a great time in this two-hour episode of The Pants Are Too Tight. Give us some love on social media, guys. We're, yeah, we're clearly we're not doing great. Out. We're, cr- we're um, angry at nothing. We're losing it. Um, stay tuned for Grease 2 next week. It's a hoot and a holler. Yeah, all right. Uh, Molly, you ready to do our famous catchphrase to get out of here? Oh, I'm ready. Ready? Three, One. The, the sun, sun is bright and, and the powder's bitching. Have a good night. And maybe what's good gets a little 
bit better and maybe